portholes and get a load of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we prep that syringe for insertion with another lethal injection of the performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear. And I know it's been a long time since we've rock and rolled on the boxeo side, but we back, baby. We back in a big way. You know, forget the sound drops. Forget the ad reads. Forget the, hey, you better go out and give us a five-star review. Let's just get into the show. Let's get the band back together. Let's bring in the man, internationally renowned for many things. But most importantly, guys, that book, Basketball, a love story, brought to you by Rafe Bartholomew, the cruiserweight king, the candy liquor. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you up. Rafe B, oh baby, we back, brother. How is it on the left coast? Brian, thank you for letting me out of the cage. I've been listening to you very well. I've been very patient right here. It's time to let me out and talk some boxeo. And by the way, you put respect on my name because this week, what you couldn't have said about me last week is that I am now a New York Times bestselling author of Basketball, A Love Story. So you have to introduce me as that every time you say my name. Wow, wow, bro. He writes basketball books like a tough, tough gang member wow wow bro congratulations on that did you uh what what'd you do to celebrate shoot out guns out in the streets what'd you do <laughs> you know i got my ak out popped it off a few times here it's it's a little risky doing that in los angeles but <laughs> I, think, I think we pulled it off you know it's a little easier to do in the country but hey you got to be careful when you're doing that might have shot his load a little bit you gotta be, gotta be careful there for, for, for the Load Watch fans for 2018 out there. But hey, congrats legitimately. I've seen you on every possible show. I think you were on like Get Up. You were on, uh, uh, some NBA jam, some like local LA TV jam. I saw you on, weren't, weren't you on like, uh, the Jacoby and Jalen show? Absolutely. Uh, gotta, you know, we gotta give the people what they want, as they wow. say. I mean, I, I go way back with Jacoby, you know, so it, it made sense. I'll tell you how far this has gone, Rafe. I was uh, visiting my uh, brethren on Saturday night at the CBS Sports home office in Fort Lauderdale. And one of the old timers there who I'd worked with for years at ESPN came up to me. He goes, hey, you're an NBA guy. Have you heard about this book for love and basketball with Omar? No, uh, and I'm like, wait, you really going this way? He goes, yeah. He goes, you got to see this. There's a movie with it, too. And he goes, in the movie, they talk about everything. They talk about Spreewell choking PJ. They talk about everything. You're going to love this thing. And I go, check the marquee. Check the name on the damn marquee. That's a Rafe Books production, brother. So it's out there, Rafe. All right? It's out there. Oh, that's good to know. It's good to know. And, and also, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to steal all your shine, Brian. You're coming off of quite a star turn calling the fights from Newcastle, telling us all what a Geordie is, learning how to say things in British and seeing the beginning and end in 12 rounds of <laughs> Mr. Sandman, Lewis Richards. <laughs> yes, it's been a, it's been an eventful couple of weeks as I got into zone, Rafe. The checks are clearing, brother. Hey, I was able to call over the weekend that Lewis Ritson, the Sandman matchroom boxing card from Newcastle, called it at the DAZN Miami studios. Good times, great oldies. 
And Ray, there's some controversy on the internet from my call there because I wanted to, you know, pull a Jalen Rose, right? And give the damn people what they want, what they came for. Pun. I think I get what, I think I get what's coming here. And, you know, yeah, you know, that thing. And, and I'll have to say, when you're in that chair, when it's your opportunity to try to shine, there ends up being a lot of opportunities to say that. Maybe I understand Load Watch a little bit more in 2018. There's a lot of chances, especially on these undercard fights where guys are like, oh, I might be able to knock this guy out. I'm just going to empty the damn chamber. I'm just going to go for it. Where's Slater? Slater, where are you? We need you. Tell me what you might do, bro. Where is that button? He, he may have shot his watch still. Those hands are heavy. I understand about that still, Wraith. And I gave the people what they wanted. And there was a split decision reaction. Some said this is the greatest thing ever. Some said that doesn't count. That's not the real. That's not load watching the Pantheon. That That's an inside job. Well, of course it doesn't count, Brian. You're, you, it is an inside job. You, you could juke the stats single-handedly. You could be, you could drop, you could, you could drop 15 loads in one broadcast. I don't know if you have that kind of, that kind of stamina. I don't know if you're on Diggler's status here, Brian, but still, like, you could go in and just break every, all of your own records. You could be out here, the Steph Curry of load watch if you keep doing the zone. We're already, this is already off the rails. I might as well put the show back. Oh, what do we got for him this week? Rafe, we're going to f- let the fans know, uh, you know, we're going to recap Bud Crawford, that may be the pound for pound Kings victory. We're going to talk about all the stuff we didn't talk about when we took a two week break lately in light of all that was going on at UFC 229, all the stuff you don't care about. Hey, we got sound this week, Rafe. The Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder press tour came through New York recently. I got some chats to share with the people with Fury, Wilder, Lou DiBella, Steven Espinoza, trainer Mark Breland. We got some good stuff to get to today outside of all this nonsense. But before we actually get there, Rafe, you're not a UFC guy. So I don't, I don't, I'm not here to ask you your take on Nurmagomedov jumping over the cage and, uh, uh, did Han shoot first? Did Connor punch for like all the, you, you don't care about that. Rafe, you probably don't care that me at press row, I, I, I got into it a little. There was the melee fell onto my table as some Russian man was being arrested. But did you hear at least the fallout of Derek Lewis's come from behind victory in the final seconds and his interview afterwards? Did you hear? Do you know where I'm going with this? I forget a lot of it already. Derek Lewis, the heavyweight from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the, he was getting his ass kicked, and the then he came beast. back, one, one-shotted the big Volkov guy, oh. and then he, he said some funny stuff after the press conference and got a, got a title shot. He Boom. His... MMA. I'm the expert. Wow. He took it. Wow. I mean, that's, that's not bad considering MMA is a bunch of, uh, you know, skinhead white guys. Uh, he took his shorts off during the interview, and Joe Rogan said, you know, was like, Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls were hot. I understand. I mean, you gotta, you gotta respect and understand that, right? I mean, if there's, if there's one thing, if Joe Rogan was only, if he could hear Jimmy and he knew, he could have just come back with. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. I mean, you got, you know what you gotta do in those spots, right, Rafe? You gotta, you know, you. It was a perfect opportunity, Rafe. The guy has balls, Brian. <laughs> We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life in one short. Rafe, did you shoot your L during that? I was I was watching on the Skype screen. I, it was a possible uh, possible load violation over there. It was kind of like the uh, the David Stern water bottle uh, choking meme. Where I was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Wow, wow. 
Uh, all right, so I got that's my nonsense for for now until we hit the uh, the latest news. Uh, before <laughs> until we until the next minute. <laughs> so we, I, this as this podcast just evolved into you and me telling ball jokes. I guess that's actually the whole podcast anyway. So maybe that's maybe maybe we're right in line with this. Um, you know, one of our best uh, listeners, Don Hearn, that quality bloke, love that guy. He he's of now course. he's now sending us that. Uh, that picture that uh, I sent you earlier. Did you see the? Uh, did you end up seeing it? The two MMA guys in the face-off. They uh, they not only went nose to nose. They went uh, they went uh, tip on tip. They they crossed swords literally. You, you down with that? Speaking of MMA or, or or what? Who who blinks first in that case? Who turns away first? And what does it mean if that were Alexander Usyk and Tony Bellew? Who would have turned away first? Cause you know, you know, in those situations, you can't turn away first cause you gotta be the man. You gotta stay there. You're like, I'm not moving. Oh. But at the same time, it's gotta be a tough position to hold. Oh my God. I mean, we've heard of this before. Well, you ain't even touch the But is that called touching nesses? What is that called when you, when that happens? When you face off against another man, but down below, it's, it's time to go camping. So you accidentally cross swords. What do you, what happened? What's, what is that? We, we might have to just, you know, put put this forward, hold it off for a few days and really investigate it. Kind of start doing some interviews. Ask fighters, how do you how do you avoid this? Or when yeah. it happens, what do you do? Because that's almost as awkward as the Floyd Victor Ortiz face off after the weigh in when Floyd opened his mouth to talk trash. Victor Ortiz kind of pushed his face <laughs> forward and then Floyd sucked on his nose. Everybody's seen that still picture. But we did ask Freddie Roach. Two fighters come together. They're both erect. They're, they're angry. They're ready. They accidentally clash. What do you do? <laughs> Did you say they're both yeah, erect? You play with the bag. You play with it. You win combinations on the bag. That, that was his thought. I mean, you know, he said, you can't handle your seed, son. Oh, that's gross. That's gross. That's gross. <laughs> oh, got to play with the bag a little bit. Wow. Wow. Hey guys, really proud of my brother being inducted here in Canastata into Hall of Fame. It's a great celebration right here. I love Canastata. Cheers. Hello, Canastata. Hey, hi, my boxing fans. Hi. Hey, hey, guys. I'm really proud of my brother, Brian Campbell, being inducted to Lodewatch Hall of Fame. <laughs> Love the zone. I am more man. I have bigger huevos. All right. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Don Hearn, one of our best listeners. He's really, lately, he's making moves. He's trying to become the Alex Godinez of this show. That's a, that's, those are big shoes to fill, my friend. Big, big shoes. Yes, yes. You don't, you don't want to try to fill them too early, right? Oh, speaking of Alex and, and Carl Frotch, the Cobra, Mr. ADK, I know this is old news, but I, my favorite, my new favorite Carl Frotch fact I found this past weekend while looking up, just casually watching some Frotch documentaries, and he's doing an interview sitting in his home in front of a giant painting behind him of himself ready for a fight in the robe, walking out of a cobra's mouth. Yeah, that was a little bit weird. That was on. How do you compare that with uh, Twitter, like Twitter boxing fan Smellities playing guitar in front of that weird frame picture of uh, of two Panthers? You down with that, or is that too inside the inside of the baseball? That's that's way way inside uh, boxing Twitter. But I don't. I mean, that's up there. I mean, which where do you rank higher? The the r- rumored a rod painting that he had in his bedroom of himself as like a sex centaur, oh. or Carl Carl Frotch's 
cobra painting. Well, that's on part. Did you watch the Andre the Giant doc on HBO with with our friend uh, David Shoemaker? Did you watch that? I actually did not watch that. All right. Well, there was a scene in there where Pat Patterson, the WWE Hall of Famer and flamboyant man, was doing a talking head thing in his own room with a painted framed portrait of himself behind him, and he was wearing the same outfit as the he was in the <laughs> – Framed painting of himself behind him. So yeah, Carl Frotch wins. ADK, ADK, ADK. So uh, I, w- I want to tell you, Floyd. I once fought, you know, in in in, in front of. Uh... I want to ask you, Floyd, if you don't mind. In my last fight, before before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of eighty thousand fans, I won. Hey, we didn't even talk about. We're behind on talking about a lot of things. George Groves lost, right? Didn't he lose to some? Uh... In the he lost to Callum Smith. Yeah, man. We, we never broke that crap down. We're way, we're way off the wall. We're way. That, well, you, you shouldn't have brought this up because now I'm actually going to talk about it, oh, Brian. Uh, and, and that's going to get you out of your depth. You know, I know you only mess with the Northern England Geordies and Lewis Ritson and them, but no, look, this was one of those fights that as soon as it started, you got that feeling like, oh, damn, I should have seen this coming from a mile away because it was just and it, the, a terrible style matchup for Groves who, is just trying to outbox and counter and and couldn't deal with the you know youth's length size speed of of Callum Smith it just was a it was the and Smith is not a a dummy kind of the way like that that Chris Eubank was where Eubank may have had some similar he's not as tall or long but he had some some physical advantages over Grove Groves but he just didn't have the the class, the style, you know, the 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 technical ability in the ring to to exploit that. And Smith did exactly that. And when he caught Groves with a couple shots that hurt him, finally caught him with that nice left hook that put him in deep trouble. And 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 brilliant finish. Good for Smith. I mean, that, that he was like the against who king of 168. It ne- and now now he's got a real name. And now I, I am excited to see him fight against some of these other pies out there. This 168 against Zerto the Turto and and uh, who's it? Jose Uzcategui and Andre Durrell's uncle. I mean, all these guys. Line them up. I'll, let's see if what this liver Pudlian can do with them. They both looked great. They were cut up. They had six packs, eight packs, 12 packs, 24 packs. They had it all going. All right. I didn't see the fight, but uh, there's that. But, hey, champ, you're going to need about five to seven more of those pies indeed. Uh, a fight I did see, I think it was about a week ago. Look, we we got to stop taking more than one week off. It just worked out that way, listeners. I know you were angry. I know we got the tweets. They're like, enough MMA. We No more MMA bonus episodes. We had our fill with the MMA Fill the loads instead, and we missed Niowa Inoue, the destroyer. Was that a WBSS bout? Didn't he move up and wait to, to start some tournament? Was That's that right. It was the, the the opening round of the quarterfinals of the bantamweight WBSS tournament facing, uh, what, Payano? I forget the first two Piano, names. J.S. Payano, Angel yeah. <laughs> Hernandez Payano, one of those things, right? Uh, it, 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 it did not matter for long, Brian. All I know is that that corner of boxing Twitter – the corner that involves guys like Cliff Rold, Adam Abramowitz, right? The hardest of the hardcores, Rafe. The people that get down hardcore style. The people that if boxing was adult films, watch the really gross stuff, right? Like the really, really gross stuff, right? Not even – like so gross I can't even play the zipper sound effect. Those guys were going sick. And then I saw the replay. You can watch it in a GIF. The The monster. He's moving up and waiting. It doesn't matter. This guy's killing people. Rafe, he only has like 10 pro fights. He's won titles in all the lower weight classes, all 15 of them. We don't give this guy enough rub, if you will. I would if I could. Um, 
probably because he doesn't fight on US TV. But that was that was in the zone, so that's that's quasi US TV. Yeah, all right, all right, maybe we. It's time. It's time we start really making this guy a pound for pounder. How high? How high can we legitimate P four P this guy right now? I know Payano wasn't a world beater, but how high? How high, Rafe? How, how as high, so high that you could touch the sky? Uh, let's can we do a little meta ref? You know, red man, meth man, we'll go back and forth a little bit. Um, I don't know. I look. I know that uh, Cliff Rold and some of the other guys were saying, "Hey, you could make a real argument that Inoue by eye test, does, but could be your number one pound for pound guy." I'm not quite ready to go there because even though he's got a decent resume and has won belts in all of the the, the three or four different weight classes that he's already competed in, that he still. There's a little bit of an against who issue here where he hasn't won the best versions of those belts in all those ways. And it's not really his fault, right? I mean, he, he went up to 115 kind of hoping to get that fight against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez when everyone thought he was the number one guy. Then, of course, our guy Sorungzai comes in, sends him to hell, and, and ends that whole narrative, and Inoue just keeps moving up. And, and so and he ha- and Inoue didn't get to fight. Donnie Nietes, he didn't get to fight uh, Juan Carlos Estrada. He, he hasn't fought some of the better guys. He, he skipped some of the better 115 guys on his way up the, the weight. But by the end of this tournament, if he gets through the WBSS, where he's going to have to fight maybe guys like Ryan Burnett, Zolani Tete, who won this last weekend, the, uh, if he gets through that, then, heck, I mean, he's going to be right there near the top of the pound for pound because that, that's going to be through, like two more really good wins in the semifinal and final if he can get there. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. He just looks absolutely fantastic. Brian, yeah, what knockout you, of the year, yes or no? It could be. I'm trying to think. I'm really bad at every year to start the calendar year. I go, I'm going to keep a file where I just keep updating with the candidates as I see them. And then I never do. I'm sure I'm missing some epic knockout. There have been some really, I can't come up with it. I can't name them off the top of my head, but I remember there have been really good sort of nasty knockouts this year, but that one, there was some, I mean, that one had something woo going with yeah, it. There, I mean, there was damn. Steven's face in that. Yeah, there was, that was, that was legitimate. I was going to say, I love what the, what, where we are right now, pound for pound. We are waiting for the Floyd and Manny era to end, even though it's not ending because they won't stop fighting, but we're, from a pound for pound standpoint, like it's finally, Loma's time, Crawford's time, Spence's time, but now we're, we're worked, we have to work in Usyk. We gotta work in a new way. We gotta like, you know, SSR, right? Rats on the barbecue. Like we gotta, it's, it's a new time. Guys like Thurman getting pushed out, all those other guys. So I like it. I like what we're doing right now. I like, I like that, uh, man, you gotta be, I saw our, our boy Alex McClintock, uh, tweet about this from down under that he's watching, you know, two fights on the zone going back and forth, cares about neither of them, but he's watching them live. And that's where we're at. The dirty stream days are slowly going away because of things like ESPN plus and the zone, right? If it's pulling just a little bit from your pocketbook, not giving your computer the STD, like, like it used to when we'd have to watch like, uh, We'd have to watch Rub-A-Dub against Guillermo Jones on some like broken yeah. stream while, while like Russian porn gets played through the middle of it. But it's, it's, it's fun. It's boxing's fun right now. Hey, boxing's really healthy, Rafe. 
Look, look, Brian, don't push your bougie agenda on me, all right? I am perfectly fine watching my Dennis Lebedev fights with a little thumbnail of someone getting stooped from behind oh, by Bob on. Arum in the Philippine Garden Hotel oh, in Russia 75 years ago, all right? I can live with that if I don't have to pay, all right? And, and don't you dare judge those of us who can get down with that, all right? The only dirty stream in my life is the one going into my toilet because oh, I got a few what, things what going this? on. What is happening right now? Like, that's just so disgusting. Keep laughing. Keep laughing. You know, real funny, huh? If, you go, if any one of you doesn't respect me or what I'm doing or what I've been doing for the last three months since we've been announced, going against a guy like this, you'd have a big dump in your pants. Oh, if only that soundbite was shorter. That, that's such a good one. I gotta cut that thing down. Alright, uh, what else we missed, Rafe? Wow, yeah. Don't, don't shoot your elk. I gotta see you over there. Uh, what else we missed was, um, uh, Bud, this weekend. Let's get into the weekend recap. Terrence Crawford, maybe, maybe your pound for pound king. I see angry Eric Raskin going, you can't tell me one week Loma's your pound for pound king and then two days later try to make the case for Bud. I get where you're going, old man Raskin, my bro ham. But Bud is, despite the lack of top-end competition on that resume, continues to blow fools away. This time, though, it wasn't right away, Rafe. This was an interesting fight against Jose Benavidez Jr. in Omaha. Warren Buffett in the crowd. No signs of our guy Ron Stander anywhere, though. But the, the gifts got, you know, the gifts of you doing the standard, standard snap from Vegas made the rounds again, which was great to see. Bud is nasty. Before we talk about his nastiness, we gotta give this crazy dude Benavidez some, some shine. I know you, you don't like to have him too much Kriegel on your timeline, but did you read the pre-fight feature about his crazy dad, his crazy brother, and that crazy gunshot wound in his calf? It, it, it was, look, I, Kriegel does what he does very, very well. It is a, often used to some of the same themes, fathers and sons, tortured relationships, pain, struggle, strife, overcoming, you know, there's, but, but damn, you know, it, I, I'm, I've said this before. I think we're very lucky that ESPN and CAA, the agency that's kind of pulling the strings behind all this, has set him up in this position to do really long form features on so many fighters because, yeah, there, there are some conflicts because you're working for the network and you're doing, and you're the journalist covering the fights, but that, that exists everywhere now. We're, we kind of can't get away from that. And so just to be able to get a good writer with that much access and who actually cares about writing these long stories that let us get to know these guys. I think that's, that, that's, that I'm all for it. And, and shoot, I'll take it. And Benavides who came across in that interview in his family as just like legit badasses, say what you will about them. Benavides fought a lot of injuries unbeaten, had never fought anyone even remarkably close to the talent level of Bud. Like really you go back and look at his resume, he fought nobody, dude. He fought a very interesting fight on Saturday. It didn't seem necessarily like he came to win. And I don't say that, I don't say that as an insult because if he had tried to, I guess, win, he probably would have got knocked out earlier, but he made things really difficult for Bud by just having stubborn balls, by having length and speed and by basically challenging Bud to take the lead so that he could counter. So for those first four, five, six rounds when Bud who typically takes it slow to read you, right, to make his adjustment. Benavides was, like, even with him for a while. There were points where you're like, 
he might be just as fast as Bud. He probably doesn't hit as hard, but he's so ballsy. And every time he gets hit, he's going to shake his head and talk trash. That I think Bud realized, and you saw it, I can't walk this guy down. I'm going to have to be really surgical. In the end, he was insanely surgical, saved his best for last, got the ridiculous knockout and finish in round 12 with that counter right uppercut that was a thing of brilliance and beauty. But what do you have to say about the effort Benavidez showed in there? Yeah, I saw the fight very similar to you, and and it kind of made me think. Now, I, a lot of the bluster and the trash talk, I think, was genuine, and and the Benavidez crew clearly. I mean, you, there's clips going around on YouTube of them starting beef with everybody. Caleb Plant, they're beefing with in a gym for no reason. So they just kind of go around get trouble finds them in some ways, but it also seems strategically in a way a, a canny move given the way that he fought because. Just on the off chance that he had gotten under Bud Crawford's skin enough to make Bud reckless and come after him a lot harder and, 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 and that may have given Benavidez the opportunities to counter and, and fight the way that he wanted. Now, as it turned out, you can't play Bud Crawford like that. I mean, there's a reason why people call him the best boxer in the world or he's in that conversation with one or two other guys. And he's smarter than that and better than that and realized, I think, very early on that, okay, Benavidez doesn't really have the resume. He doesn't look like on paper he belongs in the ring with me. But fighting that style, Bud still had to be very careful with him because he could he he was stout enough to stand there and and not get hit clean by when when Bud led and his counters were dangerous and he had quick hands. He and has even though Benavidez didn't have the pro pedigree. You look, I mean, he is a storied amateur. He had a storied amateur career. A national U.S. Golden Gloves champion had been in the ring with all of these really high level fighters, whether it was sparring as a teenager against guys like Pacquiao and Amir Khan or fighting the, the, his generation, the, the, you know, sort of like the, the Dan, the Mikey Garcia type guys. As he came up the ranks. So he had been in the ring with elite talent and, and knows how to hold him, you know, take care of himself in there. And I think he fought a smart fight in which, yes, it did not, he didn't go after it, right? He did, he, he, but it gave him, it kept him in the fight and it, he was able to land punches. And, you know, if, who knows if Benavides had landed a better shot, maybe something different, you know, he gave himself a, a, a chance to win, I think, which is a, a lot you can say against Bud Crawford. That's well said. It's almost like he drew a line in the sand in front of Bud on, you know, on the canvas and said, if you cross this line, I'm going to light you up with a big counter shot. And it's up to you to decide whether you're willing to take that chance. And that didn't really give him a chance to win rounds, but it kept him dangerous and it set him up for that one big shot. He knew what he was up against, but man, I came away impressed with him. I want to see him. He said that the right leg, the one that took the gunshot within two years ago, was hurting, was hard to to hand to stand on and, and, and make moves with. But uh this guy's interesting, and he's certainly got so much damn swagger that I now want to see him against everybody, Rafe. Yeah, yo, and they're going to need him. I mean, top rank, I think it's a good performance. It's almost a shame that it was in a loss and that they can't build him up a little bit more because maybe if – Benavides had fought Mean Machine, Edjujujis, Kevielauskis, whatever the the rising welterweight Lithuanian prospect in top rank. Then then it would have got and, and managed to win that one. Uh, this fight get, got bigger, but there was already bad blood. It made sense to do now. Plus, Benavides is not going to be a huge name probably regardless. Uh, but yeah, yeah, keep him in the mix. I mean, why not? He 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 proved that he is. Uh, 
I don't know if he fought that well against Bud Crawford. You probably put him in the in the back end of the top ten at welterweight conversation. Can you can you say that? Yeah, I can say that. I can say that. He's got to beat somebody to, to be around there. But yeah, yeah. Right, for Bud, this is his first fight of his new top ranked deal that is reportedly paying him somewhere around three million per fight. So they what they did to him is they gave him the Tim Bradley deal, which was, hey Bradley, you just fought Manny. You're con- or you, you know you, you lost you beat Manny once you lost to him but you got a name now your contract's up we know you can go to PBC and fight Floyd and every other big name welterweight but we want to set you for life so that you stay with us even though we have nobody for you to fight that's the same deal that you know that Bradley ju- that Crawford just got Crawford took it he's getting pushed on ESPN but now Bob's saying starting next year he's going to be a pay per view guy now i get that it's ESPN pay per view wanting to you know get their feet wet they they feel at this point that with the big ratings that bud's doing and apparently saturday's fight to giant ratings that he's the they're calling him and our guy cornerman on twitter calling him the biggest us born attraction in boxing right now i guess that's you know not counting floyd i don't know if is he doing better ratings than broner cuz broner, broner still does huge ratings 1.8 million on ESPN is a good rating. I mean, that's the second highest rating they've done since the Buckyao Horn fight uh, on regular ESPN, which so, which was insane. So it's um, working. The pl- ESPN platform mixed with his talent, his his that badass sort of swagger he has. That 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 like, look, we said coming in, what the hell's Benavides doing pushing him? You're gonna you know you're gonna get hurt, son. And and he did in the long run. But look, this was an incredible performance by Bud. Rose to the occasion. It could have been a boring decision win, but no, finishes him in the final round. So Rafe, now he's gonna go to pay per view level. We know the problem. There's nobody for him to face. Bob saying he wants to make the Spence fight. Lance Pugmire of the LA Times is sort of laying out a timeline of how it might work, how they're going to have to share pay-per-view, maybe Fox and ESPN. That's a little bit more long-range. I'm sure Bob, in the meantime, is going to try to feed him Carlos Adamas, Mean Machine, and all these other guys who probably don't have a chance. But are you willing to say that, Bud, with limited top-end competition, he's beaten the crap out of all the B-level guys. It's like a Golovkin-type run right now. Is could he? Is, is there argument here for Pound for Pound King? Legitimate. Because I got him number two behind Loma. A lot of people do. I know I, – okay, that's the wrong question. Yes, there's already a legitimate argument. There's been a legitimate argument. But should we bump him ahead? Should, is it time to say that he's the best fighter in the world, even though I think Loma, through whatever, nine fights, has fought better competition? I think I think if you want to go Crawford, Lomachenko, even some some fringe kind of – consideration for Errol Spence if you really really just love him and and put a lot of weight in the Brook win if you want to include Inoue in there I mean it's all that's all fair to discuss I do think that Crawford and Lomachenko feel like they have the best combination of looking you know of eye test plus resume I look Crawford I think that yes he ha- his his resume doesn't look great, but that he's he cleaned out all of 140. It was not because it just be- it was just because the guys weren't there at the time. Uh, so he hasn't been he hasn't been protected. He hasn't they haven't looked. They've been trying. If anything, he's avoided. Uh, and so I, I don't hold his resume too far against him. I think Lomas is a, is just frankly better at this point. Uh, and looks better, but I think the the that Crawford's win over Victor Postol is very underrated. No one has dominated Postol like that, uh, and he's a very tricky fighter. And and Crawford basically took him out of that fight from start to finish. It was a boring fight, but shoot, you do what you got to do. Uh, so look, you, I think it's a toss up to tell you the truth. Um, 
I, I want, I'm more curious if you, it, I read a bunch of things over the weekend, some reactions, especially on Twitter during the fight that Crawford not dominating Benavidez as clearly as some people may have expected kind of had him dropping in the, in people's estimation. I didn't really feel that way. I kind of wanted to run that, that yeah, that's by a you. BS take. That takes away everything, all the danger that Benavides brought in. And look, Benavides was largely an unknown quantity on this level. And we just talked about how he impressed us. So I think that that's a BS take from anybody going, well, you know, Spence just blew out Carlos Ocampo, who nobody knew anything about in one round. And it took Bud 12. No, that, that it doesn't work. You can't compare that. I think Bud fought a smart fight and he still gave us the boom, right? He still shot the L when it mattered. Like, it's still like, we got everything we wanted out of that, Rafe. So, no, that's a BS take. I, I think I still have my number two. I'm fine with that. I, I like it. Anybody can make the argument. I, you, you, you know, I'm sure Errol Spence would love that you just made the outside argument for him. We good friends. I love your daddy. But let's get it on. Hey, I, hey. I mean, he does love your daddy. He probably read that book that, uh, Kriegel wrote about, about the bar and, oh wait, no, you wrote that one. Sorry. Um, yeah, Rafe, I, look. Bud's nasty, man. I want to see him against everybody. I hope we build towards Spence. That's, that's the truth test. You know, Spence, he's a, he's a, he's a quarterback. He's a, he's a truth teller. He's a test maker. Lomachenko is the test man. He's not the machine. He's the test maker. That's, you know, that's going to be the fight of our lifetime, Rafe. I've said it before. That's going to be the damn Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns one of our era, and it's going to be great. And you just don't want it to come at the Maypack timeline. Whatever, we're done. We're done let talking me, about. Bud. Let me, let me, let me, let me put a little amuse bouche on your on your tongue, a little appetizer. What is that? Because mean? we That's may so not gross. What is that? We may not. No, it's it, this is this, this is this is restaurant stuff. This is restaurant jargon. I'm trying to I'm trying to learn you on some Einstein from the features editor of Eater.com. Oh, I here, forgot right? about that side of it. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm trying yeah. to put you on my Einstein here. I'm getting deep with you. All right, it's deja vu. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Brian, no, oh, as in, so because the Errol Spence fight probably is not going to happen right away. What I'm hopeful for in the meantime, and I think this is, I think they're working towards this with ESPN and, and Golden Boy a little bit. I could see Jorge Linares jumping up to 147 to challenge Terrence Crawford. Why not? They, they, no, like, no, they, you have to move up two weight classes. He's, he just fought at 140. Right, but it was a stay busy one and 140 is probably a ceiling for him, I'd say. Linares wants that money. Oh, no, he'll get, but, but he will, wants, but will do bad things to him. Don't say that. You don't. I, that. Look, hey, that uh, we're, we we gotta we gotta get creative, man. We gotta find things to do while Errol Spence and, and Terrence Crawford stare at each other from across the street and say he on the wrong side of the street. So I'm just trying to make some fights here, man. <laughs> I would be fine with Linares. I would be fine if, so, if some of the guys who rise, say the whoever the finalists end up being at the 140 pound WBSS tournament, if it's Regis Progray, Josh Taylor, those guys want to jump up to 147. And, and get into a big fight right away. Boom! Let's see it. Now, I, I, otherwise, we're going to be looking at at Bob Arum putting Terence Crawford against Alexander Besputin next year oh, and wanting to go put a bullet on our own knees. Oh wow! Wow! wow. Um, yeah, I agree on some, a lot of those things. I think Ruger would be a fun, you know, thing to build toward. Not a long build, but a short build. I think Josh Taylor would be interesting. But I hope that we get the Spence fight in a year and if we have to wait in that year with him fighting with uh bud fighting adamas uh kavalowskis you just don't want those to be pay-per-views that's my problem because i get that it's time they think it's time to put bud on pay-per-view the ratings have been great but 
that's those aren't pay per view fights. Also, one good rating, and that's great. Why don't you do another one? Have him do two point two million. Build yeah. the argument that he is a truly big draw in American boxing. Like, give him another one of these fights on regular cable. Or do this: give Mikey Garcia a lot of friggin' money and say, "Oh, you were talking about fighting Spence, so fight Crawford instead. It'll be on pay per view. We'll give you preferred opponent money to make a name off of you and to try to double cross you for divorcing Bob. You know, like just give him. I know Bob doesn't like contracts. We don't believe in. <laughs> Uh, but uh just put the contract in front of him and just make it happen. Come on. That would be great. Plus, it would be a nice uh, Tyson Fury-esque maneuver of Bud Crawford swooping in and stealing Errol Spence's girl, a la Fury and Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Damn. Another little love triangle. You're damn right. Hey, uh so that wrapped up. The, oh, the weekend. Uh There was uh some WBSS in DAZN. Did you watch Zolani Tete on the Bantamweight side? Did you watch Andrew Tabidi on a cruiserweight side? I watched both of these fights. They were not particularly exciting. Uh, Tete looked okay. The guy he, the, the, the fighter he was against was like a, a Russian Armenian amateur for, who was coming in with a 4-0 record, but I guess had some pedigree. Uh, Mikhail Aloyan, he reminded me of the Armenian Omar Narvaez, and I mean that in all of the bad ways. Just boring, <laughs> holding, spoiling. Uh, you know, he got knocked down, hurt early, and then just figured, I think I'm going to survive this fight. Like, and he survived with a loss. You're like spoiling, rat tailing. And already Ray Corona saying you gotta tie up those rat tails. Uh so also on my end of the zone, you mentioned it, the Sandman Lewis Ritson, the the unbeaten lightweight, got got found out by uh Francesco Patera in a decision. I'm not here to break that down. I know our listeners don't care, but I want to tell you this. I had to get deep into zone for this fight. I had to get learnt on a on a lot of British names that maybe I wasn't so and British domestic cards are really fun. We already knew that from streaming in the past, but like the grudge matches between these guys and they're all flawed and they're all of warning track power. But when you match them against each other, when you get Glenn Foote against Robbie Davis Jr., like there's these fun matchups, right? It's kind of like, uh, I grew up a big Big East basketball fan. But then in college, my best friend was the manager of Manhattan College Basketball. So I started oh, effing, I started effing with the Mac and I became yeah. like a Mac super fan. And the Mac is like poor man's big East. Like you can be six four and be a starting center. Like, you know, it's just, it's kind of like a glorified high school league, but still college division one ball and British boxing on this level is kind of like that, but it's really fun. It's even matchups and people brawl. They bang. They bang in Britain. They bang Rafe. Sometimes you want to bang a little, but Brian, you, you brought up the Mac. I can't let it go now. I love that conference. I love Iona, Siena, Manhattan College, the Jaspers. I mean, this is where all of the awesome high school basketball players from New York City who aren't blue chip prospects, yes. they all end up there. It's just New York on New York, inter, intramural games all the time. So it's all these guys, like Stevie McDowell from the Jaspers My back man. in the day. I played against Luis Flores, who, who actually made it all the way to the NBA for a little bit, uh, from Norman Thomas High School, played for Manhattan College, led them to a win in the tournament. Ah, man, those are the best. Steve McDowell, wow, Manhattan Jaspers guard. I once, uh, the week that Mace's album came out and was a 97, I, I, I drunkenly karaoke'd with that guy to that. That was, that was a great times, you know? What was it? Was it Harlem War? What song did like, like? Yeah, it was the first one, his first album. Yeah, but which song? Which, so what was it? What was the track? What was the jam off that? Uh, bad, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah, bad yeah, yeah, boy. yeah. But then what was the second hit? What was the second hit? The one that was better. Uh, there was a, none, none of these May songs were that good, man. I hate to tell All you. Right, um, 
shoot, the but second – All the we talked about, all he talked about was that Mason Betha could ball. That's all he said. Right. Yeah, well, him and him and Cameron were on uh, were on Manhattan Center back in the day. They, they, they played in the high school championship. Wow, this conversation is so NY '90s basketball. Specific. Let's go, let's go, yo, NYC. All right, hey, let's get into the, some latest news and latest news. Uh, so Deontay Wilder knocked the stuffing out of a mascot on uh, the Spanish version of ESPN's uh, Sports Nation. Was it Nacion? Oh, yeah, Nacion. So he knocked this fool out. This is old news, what this happened like a week or two ago. But it kind of turned into a story because there's claims that Wilder didn't know there was actually a person in the mascot machine and that he broke the fool's jaw. Now you got Wilder tweeting, this is fake news, this is crazy. You got Showtime tweeting that we've confirmed with ESPN that the person inside the mascot is okay. You got Wilder apologizing on Instagram. Is there any? Is this worth talking about? Would you? Did you laugh at all this? What do you got? Oh, I thought it was funny. I, I remember finding that video last week and being like, yo, this is crazy. This is kind of, this is kind of goofy, whatever. And then it just went away. It didn't get much pickup online. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, I don't know how it started, but someone put out a tweet. I, it, I think it's just started on Twitter. I didn't see it go back to any other source. So someone happened to, you know, run the video, say that Wilder knocked, you know, broke the guy's jaw. And, and I don't even know where the part about him not knowing a, a person was inside the costume came from, but it all got, it just kept getting retweeted because the video was funny and it sounded kind of like a, a story with legs. It was a weird case of something that happened a while ago and then got kind of packaged with a little bit of misinformation or unreported rumors. And then all of a sudden blew up that he had to respond to it. It's a weird, it is an interesting case study in our modern media days, social media, fake news, if you want to call it that, all that stuff. I I don't know. I like, it seems like it was all BS is the other thing. Like Wilder did not break this guy's jaw. He probably did know there was a person in there. So really it was just a fun stunt on a TV show that turned into something totally different. Yeah, yeah, I don't have much more to add there. It is a fun watch. If anybody hasn't seen it, go watch that video. You, you hope somebody didn't die inside of that costume. I mean, wow. Uh, it hey, was kind of like the Jermaine O'Neal shot on that guy in, uh, in, uh, oh in Auburn God, Hills, Michigan. Palace brawl, dude. Yeah. That, he laid that dude out so hardcore from like 40 feet away. He got a running start. It was the fat white dude, like the Spanish guy, like, oh yeah. my God. I still give props to the guy. In the white Rip Hamilton jersey, he was like a – he kind of looked like the fat dude from Entourage who when Artest was in like crazy man mode after he had been pulled from the crowd and he was lingering around the bench and Artest turned around. He saw this dude and the dude squared up and do you remember Artest let go of the two-piece and the dude rolled with it. You know the guy I'm talking about? Yes, he didn't sir. get tagged. He rolled with it. He tried to counter back, and then it got broken up. I always had respect to that dude. He stepped in. He had good form. He's like, if it's going to go down, I'm ready. I, you know, he probably had, I mean, this is Detroit, man. Croc Jim, he had Manny Stewart in his head and like, oh my God, in the letter with the left. They got him with the left. Oh my God, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Like it. To the body, son. Imagine if he had just turned and countered Gartest to the body and just dropped him. That'd been incredible. <laughs> wow. Pa- that pal- Artest had no business getting up from that body oh shot, man. Oh my god. We, I spent a lot of, I worked at ESPN as a lot of people know for, for a long time, but before I started covering boxing, I was like, I worked like third shift basically for many years, so you're just, it's three in the morning and you're still in an ESPN office and you're talking about sports and Rafe. I used to rate 
Because we used to say, when sports happen sometimes, like if there's some crazy game, everybody just drops and runs over to the screen. It's sports! Sports is happening! It's like, you know, some lacrosse final is going on. You just you just drop and everything because something crazy happened. I would always rank the top five sports moments for me, right? And it's like, I watch Kirk Gibson's home run live against the A's and, and it never changed. You know, Christian Leitner's shot against uh, Kentucky in 92. Like, those moments, you know, Boise State with the hook and ladder, all that crap, whatever. I always put the Palace Brawl in that top five because it was like... With the first time you saw that, and if you happen to watch it live like I did, it, there's never been a draw-dropping moment where you're like, somebody's going to die. This is the craziest thing. It's always like, imagine if this happened, and then it happened, Rafe. It's, it's, it's amazing. I was at this cowboy bar. I'm sitting in the corner. i just gotten out of work. I go, hey, bartender, there's a good ESPN game on. Can you turn it on? They turn it on. I go, oh, there's only 20 seconds to go. One second later, the palace brawl starts. And by the way, it's still uh, – Ben Wallace's fault, and nobody, nobody, nobody credits him for it. It's his fault. He was out of control. It's his fault. And then I'm going sick. The guy next to me is going sick. We're screaming. We turn around. Nobody can. Nobody in the bar can see that this is happening. And then, like two seconds later, I turn around, and there's like 300 people behind me, and people are going sick. If you had to watch the Palace Brawl for the first time, and you could do it in a crowded honky tonk bar, there's mom- That's a moment in time, Rafe, that you can't get back. That was incredible. You got any stories? I remember. Yeah, yo, man, I remember. I mean, I was watching it. I was my, it was my senior year in college. I was watching it in the dorm. I had plans to go meet some guys that I played basketball with on the club team later. And we, I mean, we talked about it for the entire weekend, just breaking down everything. It was, you'd never, ever, ever forget it. And I like now the image of, of a young prime BC sitting on the mechanical bull, kind of (laughs) enjoying, enjoying the ride. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose in Michigan and Manny Stewart is there going, Oh no, God. Yeah. That wasn't by choice. That was the proximity. It was the closest bar to the, uh, to the newspaper office I was working at. Yeah. That was 2004 BC. That guy was a little washed. Um, but yeah, so I don't remember how we got here. Oh, Palace, Palace Pro is one of the better things ever. I know it like ruined the NBA for a little bit, but what, that's one of the ultimate old crap moments. Remember how much crap the fans threw down on the people? Chuck oh, Person Lord. just getting sodas poured on his head. I mean, this was an all time moment. And by the way, I was almost part of the repeat at that UFC fight. And people go, Oh, BC, you were fine. No, there were like 20 seconds where I thought like hell was coming down on that arena. Luckily, they, they held it together. Your boy's okay. Hey, uh, you know who's not okay? And we got a comment on it because we were so damn fired up for this Victor Ortiz, John Molina. A junior Sunday night sloppy Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. The fight never happened. Victor Ortiz has since pleaded not guilty to charges of forcible rape, forcible oral copulation, All right. and forcible digital penetrate. Digital penetration? That's the gr- weirdest, grossest thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to make jokes about this because this is an awful situation, but I do have to ask you this question, Rafe. Um, VO's, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but if he's guilty, like, is this the end of us, like, looking at him as this viral hero in the boxing Twitter world, throw some pizza at this guy, laugh it up, play his sound bites? Like, should we kind of Chris Benoit him and just kind of be done? Uh, I think even regardless of the outcome of the trial, and that's not to say that I suspect he, you know, him of being guilty or not guilty, but in general, I think we've seen enough evidence from Victor Ortiz now that, yeah, we should probably stop – holding him up as the meme lord of boxing he has he has clearly contributed a lot of very funny moments as boxing fans but he's also there's something he's one of those people who you sort of see and you're like all right i don't really want to be part of like publicly discussing him and making fun of him anymore because there's just something it, it, there's a level 
uh, it crosses a line for me. I'm with you on that. We can, we can end it on that. I just, I'm mostly, you know, if this is true, this is deplorable. I'm really mad we didn't get this fight. Uh, one day we gotta get the exclusive with that dude who threw the pizza at him though. That could, that could be, that could be pretty fantastic. Alright. Uh, VO, we had a good run. We had a good run with you. This is, this is, this is bad. Um, Rafe, big news in the last two weeks that I do want to get your take on. Uh, sad. After 45 friggin' years, HBO boxing is dead. Started with George Foreman, Joe Frazier. Throughout the 80s, 90s, 2000s, it was the name, the face of boxing. Brought pay-per-view, became the classiest, tried to class up the sport, put lipstick on the pig with the tuxedos and Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman and Larry Merchant dropping science. It's over. Your 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 boy uh, Peter Nelson uh, called it quits, and uh, there's a lot of Peter Nelson hate on the on the timeline these days. Do you have any sort of overarching take reaction that nowadays with the splintered market with the Zone, ESPN Plus, Showtime, blah blah blah, HBO says no more. Well, I think uh, first, you know, apologies to our listeners who have probably read and heard 75 versions of these takes over the past couple of weeks, probably contributed a few of their own on Twitter. Now you get to hear ours on top of it. For me, uh, yeah, it's disappointing. And if a boxing fan wants to hold it against the network and hold it against the executive in charge of it, which is Peter Nelson, then fine. That He is clearly not making a decision that benefits the boxing fan who appreciates the HBO boxing product, which has probably historically been the best out there uh, production-wise, certainly, and in many years, fight, you know, making the, the best fights. Now, we obviously know that had tailed off as the network became less invested in the sport in recent years. Um, but I... I I try and kind of step back and just look at it as, all right, this is a network deciding that they don't need to spend their money on this anymore. It may be a wise decision. It may not be, but it's their decision, right? Well, I'm not in their pocket. They're not paying me. It is a shame that obviously we are fans of and friends with guys like Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney and the, the production crews at, at HBO who had worked on boxing for, for years. And in some cases, some folks are going to lose jobs. In other cases, people are going to have to go find a new place to do, do their boxing content. Uh, you know, that is all that, that, that stinks, but that happens to all of us. And the one thing, I know, I, I felt a little bit of, uh, I, I gave me some, some eerie memories to 2015 when I was working at Grantland in like the last month there and the whole, and it was clear that the ship was going down. Like the, like Michael Ray Richardson, the ship be sinking. Yeah, great quote. And, great quote. And the entire internet during that few weeks seemed to be enjoying it because ESPN, the, the big bad guys, the monolith that had, that, that had helped this thing grow and was now strangling it for what appeared to be no good reason to a lot of fans, uh, were out there just being like, yeah, screw ESPN. Y'all suck. Your whole thing is falling apart. Blah, 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 blah. Like just, and it felt like the whole world coming down on us for like an entire month. And then the day that they announced it was over. Everyone wants to be our friends, buy us drinks, write about how great oh, it was, pour water on my balls. No, F you. I don't want you pouring nothing. Out. Keep your water away from my huevos, man. You just, I just listened to you call me a dickhead for, for three weeks. I don't care. I don't care about your life. I don't care about your career. I don't care about your people. I don't care. And that's kind of like, there was a lot of that. Everyone pulled the 180 in boxing. Now we're going to give the, the gloriful retrospective eulogy of what HBO boxing was. And I understand both points of view, but if you were there, 
kicking them when they were down. Now that it is totally dead, don't don't eulogize them. Just walk away and enjoy all the good boxing we're going to get on other networks. You think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way, that behaved that way, that I care what he thinks I'm saying? No. I don't. <laughs> Oh wow! I just think I shot a, I think I just shot an L. I shot a snot rocket onto my screen. I would laugh so hard at that. Wow, that was gross. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting take. It's it's not a bad take there, Rafe. Uh, I just really wanted your best moments in HBO history, but but you went dark and I accepted it. And uh, yeah, it, it's sad. It was sad. You're right. Every eulogy was already written. Let's move on. I just didn't think it would come to an end this abruptly. But in hindsight, when you look back, really with Floyd and all the. Heyman guys going to Showtime in 2013, that really was the beginning of the end. HBO got lucky for a while, putting on fights like Bradley Provodnikov that overachieved. They still had Kovalev, Triple G, and Manny, and they hung by that for a while. But once those three kind of started to dissipate a little bit, it's sort of like, why are we doing this anymore? And, I, and obviously they've had Canelo when they got him back. That 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 bumped them back up. But, uh yeah, it's just it's it's tough, man. All of our memories are fueled by HBO. They really are, all of them. So that's that's just the way it is. Thank you, Jim Lampley. You think you're, you're going to still watch the fight game, Rafe? Is there one last fight game? Because I think that would be appointment viewing for every boxing fan. We'd just have to, to see, see the all-time what list, Lampley right? does. The uh, list. Yeah, it will. I, I think, and and likewise, everyone will have their eyes peeled and looking at, say, the October 27th uh, Jacobs Derevinchenko fight. And there's they they added one more to the schedule, right? There, there's now a Jaime Munguia fight Is before it? the end of the year on HBO, I think. In any case, people are going to be watching those to see just how Lampley holds up in those final moments. Well, our next bit of news is quasi-HBO related. It's that Canelo Alvarez is coming back before the end of 2018. It's going to be at New York's Madison Square Garden. It's going to be, I believe, December 18th, and it will be – sorry, December 15th, and it will be Canelo moving up to 168 to challenge – Largely unknown British man, Rocky Fielding for a bastardized version of the WBA super middleweight title. I say HBO because we're having a press conference in New York this week. They're all, they're going to Mexico. They're going all over and we still don't know the network. Will this be HBO one more time? Throwing the money back in, go, all right, let's do one more. We'll do one more pay-per-view. We'll walk out at the garden. We'll do a big thank you to everybody. Or is this the beginning? Of that free agent war we teased about in September, where we don't know where Canelo and Triple G are going, and there's a lot of money in zone. You know Bob Aaron wants to bring big fights to ESPN. What is going to happen next, Rafe? A, do you like this fight? And B, what network will it be on? A, I think you can't really give Canelo too much stick, as the Brits like to say. I can't give him too much stick for taking this fight against Rocky Fielding because he just... <laughs> Yeah, no stick picks either to Canelo. Um, you know, he just fought Triple G twice in great fights, put up very inspired performances, showed how elite he is. Uh, and, and so, and coming back so soon after the September fight, I wouldn't expect Canelo to be going right back into an elite matchup. So if you, you if you're willing to give him a stay busy kind of a, a fight, then yeah, sure. This makes some sense. You can't really, you can't really, really, really hold it against him. That said, God, I find somebody who's a little more interesting. I know <laughs> Rocky Fielding. Look, he's big. 
168, it'll be interesting to see how Canelo, who really is only what, like 5'7 at best, uh, looks against a guy that much bigger than him, at least in frame, if not, or, or, you know, height, if not in weight, because we know that, that Canelo probably walks into the ring at around 174 pounds or something when he fights. But, ugh, it's hard to really get excited about. It's just a nice, it's, it's a nice little cherry on top. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a small gift to people. Uh, I gotta be honest. I don't want to give away my box card, especially since I just gave you a soliloquy about how much British boxing is fun. I, I don't really know much or anything about 31 year old Rocky Fielding who was 27 and one with 15 KOs. I got two things for you. One, he got KO one by Callum Smith. So that, that shows you yeah. kind of what you're dealing with. Uh, number two, uh, he, what, he, he recently knocked out, uh, some German guy yeah. named Tyson Zuge. Tyron Zuge, Zug, Zugui. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't have a big resume. That loss to Callum was, was pretty bad. Uh, you know, whatever. Look, if Canelo's going to the garden, it's probably for a shining stay busy. At least they're adding some challenge to it by moving up and wait. You can't hate on that. Now, when the fight was signed, Oscar said he was going to meet with HBO. You don't seem to care about stuff like this, but I do. I'm kind of interested to see where he's going because this is this is interesting. Of, of you know, will Showtime just pull out some cash and go? You know what? Let's get back in the Canelo business. Let's show DAZN and ESPN that we are the stop. We are the place because obviously, if Canelo went to Showtime, there's a lot of fun matchups around 5460 Canelo weight that you can make. Uh, where do you think this ends up? Does Oscar just say, "I'm already with ESPN"? A little bit. I, I like Bob these days. Let's do it with Bob. Well, I think that well one one thing I noticed, which may be a little bit of a, a tip of the hat, or at least show how folks are trying to set themselves up for for better relations with Canelo, is that DeZone announced a fight later this year between Brandon Rios and one of the Alvarez brothers. I forget are which you one serious? it is, but. Yes. That's our jam. Brandon. That's what we live for. <laughs> is it Ramon or Rigoberto? Which I think it's Ram. I, I, it's not Rigoberto. Uh, it might be Ramon. It's not the light. I don't, I got, I can't, six of those guys that yeah, aren't Canelo. They gotta have a really bad bootleg version. Remember like the Von Eric brothers in wrestling? They had that one guy who was like, like half the size of the rest of them and he was like a manager. He's gotta be fighting the, cause do you want to see Rios at 154? How sloppy is that gonna be? He's gotta fight the, no. the reject maybe, redheaded maybe stepbrother of the Canelos. Although that doesn't make, that's redundant. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. But maybe it's the one, the the lightweight who was sort of a fringe contender and always lost on step ups. Uh, maybe it's the fake any... Canelo. You know, Larry, that the fake Canelo. Oh guy? yeah, Larry, a real American Canelo on <laughs> on Instagram. Shout out, to Larry. Keep keep getting them checks or whatever it is. Whoever or pays keep, you to show or keep up. Keep getting that poontang because that's what he claims. Oh good lord, yeah. I don't know. Don't do that. That that is literally uh, assuming he that that is literally a crime if they don't know who he really is. Um, but <laughs> but. Uh, so DAZN is making a little move there, trying to sweeten the pot by throwing some money into the Alvarez family. Who knows if that works, but that's a, that's one of those old, uh, old little techniques. I think that why wouldn't Oscar just run this like a Miguel Cotto show and make everybody bid every time? Um, just go straight bidding wars well, where Canelo fights all the time. To support what you're saying, um, Eddie Hearn of who's big with DAZN is the promoter of Rocky Fielding. So, that would make sense. But there were other quotes that Oscar gave Dan Rayfield when the story broke. And he says, uh, Steven Espinosa of Showtime has reached out and it's only fair to hear him out. And then he says this. 
Facebook for Canelo? Question mark. You never know. Mark Zuckerberg has deep pockets. Is this going to end up? Is this going to end up being an AC Slater production with our guy Grish? What is? Is this possible? They wouldn't do. Would they do this from the damn garden? I could see from like Indio, California, doing a Facebook stream, but from the damn garden, Facebook Watch with Mark Zuckerberg, like really? No, right? No. Now, no. I don't. Hey, never say never. It would be something where they could, assuming they have enough money to just pay Canelo to do that. It would be funny because they would put up an enormous streaming number. They would probably, they could, you could see that getting like, you know, eight, 18 million streams or something worldwide. Uh, and then them like crowing about what a great achievement it was, even if the money wasn't as great as it could have been. Can they do a Logan Paul KSI experiment on there? I don't know if you can pay for play on Facebook watch, but what if they did a $7 pay per view for this fight and said, let's see if we can get like, Three million people to press play on it. I don't know. Does nope. that do the math? Of course it's fine. Is there enough math in that? Or should we do like $10, $15? I don't know. I don't really like talking about Logan Paul KSI on the show anymore unless I can instantly play you, uh, you know, this button. Abel Sanchez? Who the hell is that? All right, all right. We're too predictable. We're, everybody knows what we're going to press. We, we finish each other's sentences. Um, that'll wrap up the Canelo portion of this show, Rafe. The only other news I had was, uh, Oh, Pacquiao signed with Al Heyman. Your thoughts? Your thoughts, Rafe? It's is, real. Now, again, is that is that confirmed? Confirmed? I, I saw some reports Rick that Reno didn't really source that scene. well. Rick oh, Rick Reno, Reno got, got it? rock solid. His sources are saying yes. All right. Then I'll, I'll, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Um, doesn't This doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. This seems like it would be just a one-off, uh, or not necessarily a one-off, but a, a deal that he made in order to make another Mayweather fight. So right, what? It could be a big deal, though, because they could build to the Mayweather fight. So hear me out on sure. this. There's two ways Manny's run with PBC and Al Heyman could go. Both could be good for boxing. One of them could be bad for Manny. But here it is. You use him as a featured attraction to push your Fox deal. So you put him in against Jesse Vargas types in fights he can win. On he already beat Jesse Vargas, but I know what you mean. On Big Fox. I don't know if there's enough money there. I don't know how that works. Maybe. Plan B. You put him in a big pay-per-view with Broner, and the winner gets Floyd. Interesting, right? Or maybe a plan C, which is the bad for Manny, where he becomes a big-name B-side for a couple of those big welterweights who need breakthrough wins, like a Keith Thurman, like a Errol Spence, like a Sean Porter, like a Danny Garcia. They're all really interesting. I don't want to see him become a punching bag B-side to those guys. And I don't want to see him become what Shane Mosley became down the stretch, right? Where it's like, I'm going to fight Floyd. I'm going to fight Manny. I'm going to fight Canelo. I'm going to fight Pablo Cesar Cano in Mexico. I'm going to fight anybody who's available. But it's probably going to end bad for Manny regardless. I want to see him against Broner. I want to see him against Khan. Those are the type of fights I'd prefer. A couple ways that PBC can go here, and they could probably make a lot of money. Yeah, I and in that way, it's a smart long-term kind of gamble, even if they don't know how it's going to pay off. Assuming they just get a Mayweather fight and maybe one two one fight before that, whether it's against I mean Broner would be great if it's a lesser opponent in terms of name, like some uh, a, a Jesse Vargas type. Even though I don't think they'd match him with Vargas again. Uh, your Danis Ugas, who cares? No, it's, um, it's my Danis. It's it's my bull. No, it's you. Uh, <laughs> um, so even if even if they just get those two fights and then they do a second after the second Mayweather fight, Manny basically retires or doesn't fight again with them. 
cool. They are they got a lot out of that. That's more than they would expect. You make a ton of money off of a Mayweather fight, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you you are. Uh, and uh, and and then move on from there. But there is also because we do suspect that Manny will probably just wants to keep fighting forever he i mean he of course he likes the money i I also i honestly believe he loves to fight i think he likes to be in the ring and 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 it's just the only thing that he's done for all 40 years of his life Uh, he's in the ring or in the club he likes his hand in clitoris that's 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 where it's at (laughs) um but in any so i we do for various reasons suspect that manny will keep fighting for for basically as long as he can, which makes him valuable for to have around if they can may use him later on after say the Mayweather fight as that gate as that B side name maker gatekeeper and hope that it doesn't get too ugly, which it could very quickly. It could get but, real ugly real quick. Rick Reno's story did say that Michael Kahn's appears to be out. Kevin Ioli's now saying he's not out, but he's not in. That sounds kind of gross. Uh, but, uh, you know, Freddie Roach is out. It's, it's interesting time for Manny. It could end badly. Do you think, though, he's got one more My Campione performance? So we all remember when My Campione, Eric Morales, fought Marcos Maidana. You're like, golden boy, you should be in jail. Why are you putting dead man walking Morales in there against a killer in Maidana? He's way over his head in weight. What is he doing? And we know what happened next. Morales relied on his balls and his technique and with one eye swollen shut he damn near forced to win does Pacquiao have one of those are we going to end up seeing him after he loses to Floyd in the rematch go up against a Keith Thurman and we're like this is criminal what are you doing and then he just shows you balls and 28 years on the job and he fights to a competitive loss and we're like Manny you know or doesn't matter am I what am I talking about it doesn't matter right? no I no. if he has those kind of fights I think that's exactly kind of what you see because that's who when when do we see Manny fight the hardest look the most when do we see old Manny come back even though physically old Manny will never come back but when do we see that fire come back when he gets tagged when he gets hit and now, then he starts banging the gloves together he's still bang, then he goes bang. right back into then he goes right back into wanting to fight i'm just going to cock back my left hand and throw it at anything in front of me like he that comes out of him more when he gets hit and and if he extends his career like this we kind of expect him to get hit more which means we could he could have a, a few of those really memorable uh you know morales maidana style brawls yeah man i just heard you use cock back and extend in the same sense i never heard that before cock i've heard jack back right isn't that a, a ray pop phrase it's just I'll never jack. I'll ne- hey, speaking of that, oh, let's go one more thing before we get into the interviews because we we do have Tyson Fury. Spoiler, going to break down the very definition of what is a jacker. I didn't get him to break down what a dosser is, although I did look it up. But I did get the jacker. But that's in a second. To close on Heyman, we always check boxing scene for ridiculous headlines. We like we like hooker headlines. We got this one from Keith Idek, our man Bob Arum, semicolon. I don't believe there's an Al Heyman. He's fictional. Now, Bob was tongue-in-cheek, but his point in this conversation was trying to make Crawford Spence. He says, I haven't talked to Heyman or seen him since 2015. I don't even know if he's real anymore. I think Sam Watson is pretending. And then he goes on and on with funny quotes. Is there any chance, Ray, that Al Heyman is a weekend at Bernie's facade right now? Now, we know at one point he existed, but I'm trying to think the last time I saw Al Heyman like face to face, I think was after Floyd Maidana won. Backstage, everyone was shaking hands with him. I didn't get a chance to shame. I did want to shake to see if he was reptilian, see if we're gonna have a total recall moment, but no, it wasn't. I did see him Maypack weekend. He came out of an elevator. 
I saw the back of his head, and I don't know if you know this, but he sprints places. He, like, weaves through the crowd. And I started sprinting with my camera, and I got a couple pictures of him from behind. Never saw him. So that's still three years ago. I don't think he's been on camera in the last three years. Is there any chance that he privately passed away, or maybe he's shape-shifted into Anthony Mundine and he's getting ready for the Jeff Horn fight? Is there any chance that that, that Bob's right on this? Are we having a weekend at Bernie's thing, and Sam Watson or Floyd Mayweather's really running the show? No, no chance in hell, my man. You think that that giant deal with Fox gets done without Al Heyman? You think that Sam Watson gets into the room with the Fox executives? No, this is it's Al Heyman. It's the sort of mastermind of many, many industries, right? Going all the way back to his days running Rock the Bells tours or whatever he did in the music business where that made Jay-Z hate him too. Um, it's all <laughs> he's he's there and he's pulling the strings. It is still his, you know, it's still his stilo not to show up on camera for whatever reason. And, and that at this point, I feel like the boxing public just accepts it. You know, a few years ago, there was all this, oh, it doesn't, there was a, we, the media, we were all kind of like, well, you know, I, we actually think it's not, doesn't serve his best interest to not, not to come out and talk to us because then he can never really explain his, his business ideas to us. And we just have to guess why PBC is so crappy. Uh, and, and now it's like, everyone's just like, look, Al Heyman is doing this and we know, and, and, and he knows what he's doing and, and you aren't really going to affect it. So live with it. All right. That, that is, he's there. That is that. Uh, will someone eventually in our business have like the exclusive, like the, like the, the one, like the big one? Everyone's saying, you know, one day will Al ever sit down for an exclusive on camera interview? Is it going to be in like Coppinger or something? Who's going to one gonna day help. have the exclusive? Absolutely. It's 100. I put all my money on cop right now. All right. All right. You heard I that. I bet my, my house, my life. I bet it all on cop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, hey, it's Tyson Fury time. So it's, you know, we might as well shout out to the Irish crew, right? Okay, Gypsy boys. Hey yo! Okay, the Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go, Ray. Here we go. Right Take a punch just like Mike Tyson. Here we go, yo. Punch up like Michael from Bruno. Uh, yeah, I got some sound from NYC from the, we were on a damn boat. This is a couple weeks old now, but it's still relevant. You, did you watch the, uh, you watched the Wilder Fury tour, right? I, I caught the highlights. I wasn't sitting, I watched your appearance. The others, I'm just looking for the highlights, the pushing, a little bit of the, the dancing, the, the dossering. It was a, it was a good tour. All right. We got Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, promoter Lou DeBella, Steven Espinosa of Showtime Sports, and co-trainer of Deontay Wilder, the great Mark Breland, coming your way right now. Get ready. I know what this, I know what this sport it holds, you know. I know what to do. I'm well trained. I'm well educated. I'm, I'm at the elite level. It's no getting into my head. It's too powerful. My head is shut out. When you talk, when he's talking, he's just talking. He don't understand. I ain't listening to none of that because I know what I'm going to do. I'm just sucking all this energy in. <laughs> I'm sucking all this energy in. So when that time comes, I'm going to release. I've been through so much in my career. It's the wrong time to be messing with me. The wrong time. <sighs> well, we've, we've never seen a punch. He's never seen a puncher on your level. But you've also never seen somebody with his unique skill set. How do you prepare for a guy 6'9 who's that quick? I'm a champion. Champion adjusts. Champion know how to adjust to any style. 
any fighter, and that's what I do, bring them on. I'm 40 and over 39 KO. Every man stepped in the ring and had to go. I had to gesture every man. I'd have seen it all. I'd seen it all. I'd have been to other countries. I'd have put myself in position where, you know, I was the guest. I was in your territory. I came. I conquered. And I went back home. Now, we got an intruder here. And we're going to handle intruders. We're going to welcome to America. We're going to knock him out and send his ass back home. On December 1st, Showtime pay-per-view, how does this fight end? What does this fight look like? What can fans expect? I mean, fans, fans can, can expect explosive power. They can expect boxing skills. They can expect big guys getting there trying to knock each other out. If you don't, if one ain't trying to do it, you know the other one is. You already know my, my, my agenda. My agenda don't change. No fighter with, with no fight. My agenda don't change. I come in to give the fans what you want to see. If you're going to give your hard-earned money, then I'm going to give you what you want to see. If you want a one-on-one -on -one class of how to knock somebody out or what it looked like to see a body on the ground, I'm the man for you. Click that button, babe. And finally, everybody, of course, wanted to see you against Anthony Joshua, but if you beat Fury, you're the lineal champion. How much of the negotiating help is that for the future? Oh, man. Drum roll, please. It's going crazy. They don't want, they didn't want this fight to happen. They, they main people that don't want this fight to happen because they know how much power and how much leverage is going to be after this fight. No matter who wins, you know, it's going to be a lot of power and leverage. And they don't want me to fight him because they're making money just fighting, you know, anyone. And I'm not in the plans. I would never in the plans, but the plans is about to change real soon because y'all going to make that happen, huh? Bob Squad. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. Thank Tyson, when you looked in Deontay's eyes on day two, was he game or was he a jacker? Jacker. 100%. Can you explain what that means, please? He's got quit in him. You could chop my both arms off and I'd never say no, mas. I'd never quit. I'd rather die. But he couldn't do the same and he couldn't say he could do the same because he quit. I'm a true bread-born fighting man and I fight to the death every single time. He won't. He'll jack. He's a football player, basketball player. I am the ultimate fighting man. Born and raised to be a fighter. I don't do nothing else. I don't have any other hobbies. Only fight. Fight, fight, fight. Fight mad. The natural question after today is for you being a slick boxer, why are you, why are you telling them you're going to stand in front of him and trade? Why are you goading him into a war? I am. I want him to in a, be in a war. All the pressure's on Deontay Wilder to knock me out. So when he starts swinging and missing, I'm just going to clip him. I'm going to clip him with a left up to the body there. I'm going to crack a couple of ribs. And then I'm going to see how he likes to swing. I know he's got two hands like two biscuits. And they break very easily. So when he hits that big bald head, one of them big slaps, and his hands broke like it was against Deontay, uh, Chris Ariola and the other guys who broke his hands, he's done. I'm going to beat the shit out of him in front of the world. Can we get a little karaoke today? I want to be a part of it. New York, New York, hey! All right, Steven Espinosa, the president of Showtime Sports. Uh -huh. Let's get that straight. Right. Hey, back in the pay-per-view business with Wilder Fury, December 1st. Mm -hmm. First time since Mayweather, correct? It is. It's the first Mayweather pay-per-view we've done since, uh, I believe, 2013 with Canelo. Interesting, interesting. So is Wilder the right guy to begin a new run of pay-per-views for Showtime? I think not only is Wilder uh, the right guy, Wilder and Fury are the right guys. Um, there aren't two better talkers in this sport, so to speak. Um, they're both, you know, really witty, as we've just seen. Um, you know, not shy around cameras, um, and probably the, the the two biggest personalities in the entire sport. So, if I had to pick two non Mayweather 
personalities to launch a pay-per-view, I, I, I choose these two guys. Did you also have to go to Google and find out what a doster is by nature? <laughs> um, I didn't, but you know, it, it's funny. I, now Deontay is dropping doster like in normal conversation. So I'm going to have to add it to my vocabulary as well. I love it. I love it here. Uh, this fight is unique for the personalities. We saw last year Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor do things in a press tour. It was almost like performance art. It was almost like right. rap battle. Fury might be in that rare category, right, of people that can pull that off. Um, Fury is right up there with Conor in the ability to to uh, go on extended rants, to give soliloquies, you know. Um, and you get Deontay warmed up, and he can he can preach as well. But in terms of sheer volume, uh, I think Tyson is, is is probably the world champion. He just and he didn't turn on you as Connor did. No, he that's uh, we still have one stop left, so he still has time. Uh, but so far, so good. Uh, that's really cool. Absolutely, uh, really excited about what this fight can do for the division, and everybody's looking at it as a bridge toward a Joshua fight. Mm-hmm. But what if we got a really good fight here in Wilder Fury? What if it, it plays out as expected? Could that wreck the best laid plans for Anthony Joshua? Um, it certainly could because we do have a, a really interesting matchup of uh, a classic matchup of the the boxer uh, versus the puncher. And you know, given these two guys, they're, they're both great athletes um, and very different types of athletes. So we could get a, a classic fight. And I. I I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't jealous sometimes of the 70, 80,000 seat arenas that are sold out in, in the UK. Um, and I think Deontay as well. Deontay has uh, got a big fan base. He sort of has intentionally grown that fan base. So if it's if it turns out well, uh, you could see a second one and probably in the UK. And to close, you mentioned that UK following they, that when Joshua goes in the stadium, they fill it. Maybe it's a different price point out there. Maybe it's a different atmosphere. What's, can Wilder have his moment? Can it be Yankee Stadium? Is that in the future plans here? I, I, you know, I think so. I mean, one thing that people have to keep in mind with the UK market is, you know, it doesn't have, you know, it's not as crowded as the U.S. market in terms of professional sports. You know, NFL is growing, but not really meaningful yet. NBA is not significant there yet. Neither is Major League Baseball or collegiate sports. So arguably... You know, you've got soccer and boxing is the number two. So it's a much different landscape here. Um, one of the things, though, that I think that has eluded Deontay has been that career-defining fight. And it's not for lack of trying. Um, you have bad luck in the positive, you know, PED test for Povetkin, things like that. He, he got that career-defining fight in Ortiz that's led to the pay-per-view. And, you know, could it build to something where they're fighting in a stadium? I think so. I mean, look, Deontay certainly has the, the personality, and Tyson Fury does as well. But I think all we need is a little bit of push here, a little bit of momentum, um, and I think the U.S. is ready to embrace a, an American heavyweight champion. Great. Can't, can't wait for the fight December 1st. And if you ever find those Mayweather Guerrero pay-per-view records, call me, all right? <laughs> I will look. I'll look back at the office. Great stuff. Thank all you, right, sir. Here with Mark Breland, co-trainer of Deontay Wilder and a boxing legend in his own right. Mark, to prepare for a Tyson Fury, the one thing we can say, there's nobody like him in the heavyweight division. How do you prepare for that? Hmm. Well, no, um, I thought about, I was thinking about that. I thought, I was thinking, you know, get some ex-basketball players and just those punches. <laughs> That's how he fights. But, um, no, I just fight like, you know, just train, you know, just train normal. But the thing is, you know, finding somebody who's going to fight like that, that's going to be kind of hard. But just to get somebody who's tall, um, Deontay's got to make the fight. 
because, you know, trying to figure Tyson Fury out. You can't figure him out because he don't know what he's going to do, so how could you figure him out? So not, Good point. you got to make him figure out what you got to do. So Deontay is so unconventional as a boxer that it, it's begun to... It's Originally, we would criticize him, right? Now it's come to the point where it's an advantage for him because you don't know what's coming, and he's so athletic and so powerful. At what point was the scheme to just use that to the to, to his advantage? Well, the thing is now, well, it's, 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 it's the be, it, that's the best thing to do right now is use that to his advantage because now they probably do the same thing. They probably know. They probably figure each other out easier because it's like everybody looking at the fight like, them. How do they figure each other out where they're doing the same thing? Now, you've great Olympian, professional. We've seen guys with power, but there's that other kind of power. I mean, how do you compare when you're holding the pads for Deontay <laughs> to the great punchers we've seen in history? Oh, no, he can punch. I mean, he's got natural ability. Um, he can bang on my shoulders, he can tell you. Um, but, um, I mean, when he throws punches, it's more... I mean, it's like, like people like got something to throw a jab, just snap the jab. It's real hard. It's like, boom. So I'm like, okay, throw the right hand. Boom. So everything is hard. So it's like, my thing is don't, don't try to, he doesn't, you know, it's like he doesn't push nothing. Everything is a snap. So it's much easier. Now to close here, Deontay, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for taking a few rounds in a fight, taking some mental snapshots, finding his avenue for later in the fight. How smart is this guy in terms of being able to do that, being able to download information on the fly? Oh, no. I mean, my thing is, you know, as you're boxing, you know, it's like things are going to happen. So you just, you know, if this happened, okay, now you that's in your head right there, okay. Counter that, counter this. But, you know, it's just a thing of where you got to make the fight. Now you want to make him do what you want him to do. And that's the key to the fight. We're all going to be watching December 1st on pay-per-view. Thanks so much, Mark. Bella, New York, the intrepid, the backdrop, the the, the big buildings and bigger fighters. Uh, Compare this to what you've seen. Um, You know, these are two, like, physically huge men. These are like, these guys are towers. They're huge, huge guys. But their personalities are as big as they are. Um, you know, they have contrasting styles in the ring, but in terms of confidence and, and you know, ego and, and all that stuff, I mean, you know, this is a, there's a lot of charisma, uh, you know, there's a lot of pizzazz on, on that stage. And, and, and you know what, despite all of what you saw, I actually think they have great respect for each other and sort of like each other. But make no mistake about it, they want to hurt each other. Well, look, you, you, you promote Deontay Wilder, you're on that side of the fence, but you've been to a lot of these things. Is it smart for Tyson Fury to try to get Deontay Wilder this? angry he's gonna do who he he's gonna do tyson fury man that's who he is and um and he thinks he's getting under deontay's skin he's not no one gets under deontay's skin and and, and deontay has a singular purpose here and it's not to to outpoint tyson fury it's to lay him on his back that's what he's going to do on december 1 and that's what his game plan is going to be um you know, we know we're up against a, a real rough guy. I mean, this is a giant man who boxes like a guy in a lower weight class. I mean, you know, you're a boxing fan, so you know this. I mean, this guy's style is unusual. He, he's elusive. He's fleet of foot. He's really fast for a giant guy. He gives strange angles. He's hard to hit, but he does get hit. You know, you can. I can see a scenario 
where Fury's ahead on the scorecards. But I don't see he think he sees the last bell of the 12th round. It's going to take a lot of fitness to get there. Now, from a historical concept, you've promoted a lot of great fights. You've seen a lot of great heavyweight fights. The idea of unbeaten lineal champion against unbeaten no, current is, champion, we don't see this too often. No, you don't see it too often, and it's been a long time since there was a fight of this kind of significance in, in the division from a worldwide standpoint. And, and, and you know what? It, it, in my mind, the winner of this fight can clearly say, I'm the best. I'm number one. And it changes the leverage. You know, Deontay spent a lot of time chasing the other guy around, trying to make that fight. Deontay's whole team spent a lot of time chasing the other guy around, trying to make that fight. It was Tyson Fury who said to his promoter, I'm ready, go make a deal. As soon as he said that, a deal was done like that. And this is really going to change the playing field. But it's also hugely significant for American boxing. You know, boxing is no, no, no uh, surprise or, or to anyone. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not breaking news by saying that boxing's not as huge in the United States as it is in Great Britain. You know, in, in Great Britain, it's higher on that totem pole of sports. But as goes the heavyweight division, so goes boxing. If our American heavyweight champion, who happens to be the hardest punching guy in the world, if our American heavyweight champion could take care of business with Fury, then he becomes not only a worldwide figure, but he elevates boxing in the United States. And, and it's a huge night, December 1, for American boxing. And I think that Deontay Wilder, the Brahms Bomber, the American heavyweight champion, I think he rises to the occasion, he knocks out Tyson Fury, and we got the man. In L.A. that night, Tyson Fury's got a big following. Today in New York, big pop for him if you, if you speak wrestling, and I know you do, Lou. What's that crowd, proportion-wise, going to be? Pro or, or, or anti-Deontay and Tyson Fury? No, it's going to be my, look, I, I think it's still going to be more pro Deontay, but I expect it to be highly uh, populated by some guys traveling from Great Britain or Great Britain expats in the United States. They're going to be in L.A. You're going to see a lot of people from the U.K. in that building, and, and the crowd's going to be electric. The way these fighters, you know, this this press tour has sort of been, it's been, it's been fun. You can't control these guys. They're going to do and say what they're going to do. Um, but when they get in the ring they not, that night, it's going to be all business. They know what it means. They know how important it's going to be. And, um, and I think it's going to be a great fight. And by the way, I also do think that while I don't expect Tyson to stand in the middle of the ring and immediately trade with the hardest puncher in the world, I do think he's going to fight a fight that's going to surprise some people. I think it's going to be a more electric, action, fiery fight than people expect. Lou, thanks so much. Can't wait to see you. All right, Rafe, colorful sound there. But most importantly... I already know that you'll never jack, but I, for the people, I had to go to the source. I had to find out, you know. Bronze bomber, you game. Are you a jacker? What the heck is a damn jacker? After hearing what Tyson Fury had to say, your thoughts? Does that make sense? I, that sounds, yeah, that's kind of what we had always guessed or along the lines. I mean, every, every insult in boxing, if, because it is such a, uh, a sport filled with toxic masculinity, Brian, every insult has to do with calling someone a lesser of a man and, and a jacker is a, a quitter, a guy who won't stand up in the moment. I was hoping it was somebody who's like, like, who jacks back, you know, like rape, like, who, oh, it's a, a fapper. Yeah, a fapper. I'll never fap. Kelsey McCarson, I'll never fap. I, I, I won't give up. I'll be there till I can't, you know. I'll never fap. I won't jack. I'll be there till I can't breathe. Wow. Uh, you know, so for, for the record there, uh, Josh, I'll never blow a load. <laughs> I 
climate treated than he ain't. Uh, he wasn't there, John Furrier. I would have been all over that damn interview. So many things we could have talked about. But uh, Tyson Fury called him a dosser about 5,000 times. Apparently, dosser means homeless person. It's rooted in DOS, D-O-S-S, Department of Social Services. So it's like beyond welfare. So he's calling while they're basically like a, like, yeah, a bum, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's sort of, Dosser has a connotation of laziness. You're not, you're not gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. on the dole, a Dosser. MS Dosser. FIFA Fong Fong. I'm the man with the right hand bomb. Um, I'm really excited about this fight card. We still don't know the underdog, the underdog, undercard, uh, 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 what's that guy? Yes, uh, it would be one Thailand guy. Uh, that would be, <laughs> be one Thailand guy. Uh, Jared Hurd is rumored. Chavez Jr. is rumored against, uh, against our guy Alfredo Angulo in like the ultimate of sloppy damn Super Bowls, probably at the, for the, uh, unilateral, uh, 172 lineal crown. I don't know. You know, you know, uh, Sule- Mauricio Suleiman and, and the Chavez family. He might, he might come up with a new belt just for that fight. But I am really excited about that. It looks like I'll be making that trip to the left coast, Rafe. It's in your backyard. We're going to do this? You ready? We are going to do it, baby. We are going to find the Irish crew out here in L.A. Bang. See you later. Left, right, good night. Do you imagine what, like, like, look, we know this fight could either go a violent Deontay knockout or it could be, like, really boring and tactical and Fury somehow, you know, play chess and win it and both are interesting, but... Could you imagine the other way? Like, imagine if Tyson Fury really did what he's predicting. How would boxing react? Like, that would that would be wild. It would be very, very, very crazy to see if if Tyson Fury wins that fight by knockout. The amount of just trying to figure out what the hell happened here. But it's like, uh, would you have ever guessed Andre Ward was going to stop Sergey Kovalev? No, right? Well, you know, if you told me he was allowed to hit him in the balls four <laughs> times in a row, I might <laughs> guess that. Yes. I'm not pulling out nothing. It's on like Donkey Kong. We forgot to mention, Brian. Can we take a moment to to? How did no one get a screenshot of the Andre Ward scorecard of Crawford Benavides? Did you see this? No, no. What do you do? What do you do? He put his scorecard up in maybe round seven or eight, and he he had already said when they asked him he had the fight three two Crawford uh in the sixth round and then he shows his scorecard it's four one through five for Crawford Crawford has a random ten eight round he has he scored a ten <laughs> ten he scored a ten ten round in like the ninth somewhere <laughs> it made zero sense I was like what is this oh that is great I was more focused on those dudes in the background when they went up to the desk and it was <laughs> yeah. Kevin Connors and Andre Ward and those two dudes popped up bare cans <laughs> together and chugging them down that was a great moment. Uh, all the sh- all the all the Schmitz gay fans out there, that one's for you. <laughs> all those S housers out there in Omaha. Wow. I mean, the, that's how men roll. That's how men deal. That's how men roll. All right, enough of that crap. Uh, Rafe, it's uh, do you care time? Weekend preview edition. You, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, Thursday, Indio, California, your backyard, correct, or like a close enough, yeah, extended backyard. ESPN2, ESPN Deportes. It's probably going to be a B-hop in Bernardo Osuna production. Jason Quigley is back. The unbeaten middleweight faces Freddie Hernandez in a 10-round bout. You may remember Freddie Hernandez getting his soul taken by Andre Berto in a welterweight HBO title bout like 18 years ago. Do this you not Berto care? today. This not Berto on Thursday. This it's not Berto, Brian. This ain't Berto. Think what you want. This ain't Berto. You're going to get the raw dog. You're ready for this. Uh, look, Quigley was a hot prospect from Ireland. 
When he fought Wash Glenn Tapia, though, in March of 2017, we all thought it was going to be another criminal first-round KO. Why is Glenn Tapia still fighting? And you got to say this. Glenn Tapia had no business showing his wavos that night and going the damn distance in a close loss to Quigley in which Quigley broke his right hand. He was out for more than a year. Quigley bounced back in March by KO and some fool named Daniel Rosario Cruz. Do you care about this fight? I always care about Freddie Hernandez. I got a soft spot for the guy. I got a hard spot for Quigley. I like him. I want to see him fight like Lemieux one day. What do you think? Stop that crap. Uh, (laughs) Just stop it. Just stop it. Uh, Maybe he maybe Quigley could fight. What's his name? That just lost to, to, to Lemieux. Oh, the, Spike O'Sullivan. Spike and, O'Sullivan. And all Irish war. Could that, imagine if they did that with, uh, John Duddy, Andy Lee in the co-main and they do it on oh, a floating oh. barge on Ellis Island. How about that? That, I gotta get Luke DeBell on there. That's some matchmaking promotion right there. With right? Craig McEwen as the ref. Oh, the Celtic warrior. Yes. All right. Uh, Saturday, Rafe. From Las Vegas. This is an ESPN Plus production. Ryota Murata. Versus Rob Brandt, 12 rounds for Murata's WBA regular middleweight title. Remember, this is the guy that Triple G wants to go to Japan to face, apparently. Do you care? Gotta say, no, I don't. Wow, take that, Evan Korn. You, that, that's our guy. You really gonna just go at him? I'm this? sorry. Look, I, we, I got much love for the corner man. There's a little bit of a, you remember, remember when the streaming TV started really blowing up and all of a sudden, Every network had 17 prestige shows that every website was telling you you had to watch immediately because they were the best new TV show. We're kind of in that zone for boxing right now when there is so much on. It's very hard to keep up for for the people, whether you're a really committed fan or you're sort of a a not very committed professional like Brian Campbell. You know, it is very hard – to to keep up on just all of this stuff going on and and Murata he hasn't been on US TV before I haven't really caught his fights uh I know that he fought the the two fights with Hassan Endam I don't I, I don't care yet I don't care I'll wait until he gets the Triple G fight to care I don't care about his life I don't care about his family I don't care Rob Brandt 23 and 1 16 KOs the 28 year old from St. Paul Minnesota you may remember his decision loss to Jurgen Brommer in 2017 I know you don't care but can he beat Ryoto Murata I don't I don't really know much about Murata I'm sorry Rafe I'm I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you Murata's a what silver medalist I believe maybe a gold medalist from uh, 2012 maybe 16 that's all I know I know he's out there he's uh he's what he has the was that a draw or a loss to Endom in the first fight? I don't know. I don't know, Rafe. You think I you think I care? I mean, you, I mean, come on. Exactly. All right. So why are you putting me? Why why are you putting the screws to me about this? I don't care. You're the boxing fan on this show, you know? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, Rafe, if you don't like ESPN Plus, there's one thing you can do. Hey, you have a problem? Turn off your station. All right, that that's all right. The co-main I though. I pay for my ESPN Plus and I enjoy it. All right, all right. The co-main Maxim Dadashev versus Antonio DeMarco, our guy, ten rounds junior welterweights. I didn't check, but I'm gonna bet somehow Antonio DeMarco still isn't thirty. This guy was washed at like twenty-seven. We still love this guy. Remember, he took the soul of Jorge Linares in round twelve. Like that was great. Great fight. Oh, I mean, we'll always love him for that. We'll all, he's like, we'll always love Big Papa. We'll always love Tony DeMarco. Um, and this is most people, the, the hardcores are excited about this fight. They say that the Dashev is a legit prospect and, you know, DeMarco is a, a good, is a good test for that kind of guy at that stage in his career. You know, uh, Maxime, I, I love your Dadashev, right? Like, is that where we're going, is that where we're going with this? 
But let's get it on. Let's get, I mean, but, but you know, let's, let's. We good friends. I love your daddy, but let's get it on. You know, Evan, Evan Korn, I love your daddy, Chef, but let's get it on. If that guy speaks I English. I love your grandpa Bob, but let's get it on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Michael Conlon is back, uh, versus Nicola Cipolletta. Eight rounds featherweights on that plus undercard. Are you on? Okay. Let me ask you this, because they got Michael Conlon, they got Shakur Stevenson, who had a beautiful first round knockout on Saturday's co-main event underneath Bud Crawford. We get excited when these guys have their pro debut. Then for a couple months, we say, when one day they're going to fight each other. But then they're on our timeline on our TV over and over again in mismatched fights. And we're like, we, we need to wait until like their 20th fight when they're finally fighting somebody. Are you in that mode with Conlon and, and Stevenson where you're like, all right, I've seen this movie before. Wake me when they fight somebody good. Or are you back on after how good Shakur looked over the weekend? No, I, I'm, I'm basically on the, on the pessimist side of this equation where Wake me up when they fight the, you know, showbox equivalent step up fight or the showbox equivalent prospect versus prospect fight. That's the one when I will, that's, that's the time to start paying attention to these young talented guys at that level. At this, they're just fighting jobbers, man. And they got to do that. They got to build them up. And sometimes that can be interesting, but shoot, in enough time in the world to deal with all this stuff. And, and neither of them has looked Truly as great as their reputations coming in, I would oh, say. Oh, how I know dare you? The top ranked matchmakers on. are, they have a legendary reputation of making sure they fight the right guys at the right time. How dare you? Which, I know, I, I, and that's what they're doing with this. Uh, and, and I also do think there is value to it to, if you're thinking of the casual fan who's just turned, who isn't, fo- who hasn't been following this as long as a lot of us have, they're just turning on their TV. They see, oh, it's that guy again. Oh, he's fighting. Oh, all right. All right. And even though, even though the fights haven't been that amazing yet, even I mean, of course, Stevenson got a great first round stoppage in the, in, on Saturday night. But even though the fights haven't really caught anyone's attention or fancy in a major way yet, when they do have that important fight, I think that name recognition and that just the, the being on ESPN, the the people who have sort of channel surfing flipped their way onto Mick Conlon and and Shakur Stevenson are now going to be like, oh yeah, okay, this guy's in a real fight now. I'm I'm kind of that piques my interest. So it's good business. You do what you got to do. All right, I want to see them fight each other one day. Can't wait. I'll be there Saturday, Boston, Boston. We haven't had a fight in Boston since what? Ricky Hatton, Colazzo? Was that even in Boston? I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not giving any love to all like the Danny O'Connor, uh, uh, Tito Bracero, St. Patty's Day, St. Patty's Day cards. Well, that one didn't end too well for Danny O. Hey, your boy Andres Ferrari is going to be fired up for this at Boston in the zone. Unfortunately, BJS Billy Joe Saunders will not be there. As do we know what he tested positive for? Whatever it was, it was like, like not a steroid, right? It was like, what was it? It was. It was uh, some – well, if you listen to Victor Conte, who had a couple of, of long box uh, boxing scene articles come out about it, it is an, so it's a, a very potent stimulant that he said uh, you take via inhaler. So it was something that, that Conte said if it is true – a fighter like Saunders would have been using it to basically to train and lose weight. It's, it's, he said, if you're comparing it to clenbuterol, it's like a 10 times that effect. So it's, it's like, like freebasing? Freebasing? Yeah, it's, yeah, he's basically like smoking a uh, good medical crack and using it to lose weight and get in shape for a fight. Which is, I mean, shoot, put me on the, on the Oxy Ripper. I'll get cracked oh, wow. out on that stuff. I gotta no, get I, back I, on I, the pink and the purple powder. I took a break yeah. and now I'm fat from traveling too much. I gotta Let get me, back on that. Let me, let me, let me, let me 
throw some shame on this guy, Billy Joe Saunders. And I got a little, I got a cool little theory I want to run by you. And you know what? Let's answer this. I don't care about these fights. Even Tevin Farmer versus Alfred Lord Tennyson. Oh, don't don't spoil the bag. Poet. So we, so I'm going to, I'm going to cede my time to myself to, to, to How give this you. great Billy Joe Saunders theory on it for you. So let's look at, let's look at 2018 for Billy Joe Saunders. What did he do? Well, he backed out of two Martin Murray fights. He jerked off. Or not, not that. Jerked oh, around. I mean, how? what is happening here? He jerked around our guy, Martin Murray, who we know is a top bloke, a quality bloke, and a good man and a good fighter. Uh, and he jerked him around. Didn't fight either of those because he was waiting for some kind of Canelo or Triple G payday or something to come up. Well, ends up he now he's going to fight Demetrius Andre. What happens? Whoops. Test positive gets banned. Doesn't get can't 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 take that fight. So he get nothing from him in all of 2018. You know who this guy is. You know, and the did only you know really the most notable headline? thing he did, the two things that he did in 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 2018 are are throw chicken at Deontay Wilder in Belfast and get into a big British controversy over like playing a really mean prank yeah, on a prostitute. homeless guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so. This this is this is Billy Joe Saunders 2018 and what I'm building to here is this guy is the British Adrian Broner. Got wow. some talent. Not very active. Wow. Underachieves and basically an S house. Wow. It makes me feel damn good cuz I tell you what most of the ladies are going to become lovers and you are as well one day my friend and stuff the pies. Oh, okay. I think I think you heard about your soda addiction, Rafe. So take that. All right. All right. Wow. Wow. Uh, you got any uh, uh, Trevor in your in your? What what are you building to here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hear your take. Look, he's he's kind of a decrepit human at this point in our in the larger consciousness. Is he let his son punch uh, Willie Monroe Jr. friend of the show in the balls? But uh, we're not going to see him fight. So he got stripped of the belt for that. Yeah, I think he really, I think he relinquished it. He said, for whatever reason, he just didn't even appeal and said he, I guess he wants to be in good graces with the, with the, the organization for the next, so, so he can get another shot. All right. Well, Demetrius Andrade, Rhode Island's own, is going to fight some Thai guy. No, he's going to fight Walter Kautendalka? Kautendakwa? For the, it sounds good enough. Against two, against two for the vacant WBO middleweight title. Um, He's got, uh, do you, you don't care, right? You don't, you don't. I mean, he I, could, I, we could watch, we could watch Boo Boo win a championship on DAZN, you know? Yeah, unfortunately he has to win it versus Walter Katandakwa. But hey, you know what? He gets that belt, then he can get some real fights. And damn, would it be nice to see Boo Boo in some real fights? Yeah, about time after he waited, he kind of pulled the Mikey Garcia to get out of that deal with, uh, Star Boxing, Joe Guardia and, uh, and Banner. Who's Banner? That's, uh, that's our guy. Uh, Palulo, right? Yeah, yeah, Artie Palulo, the man, the man, the godfather. I love Artie Palulo. Um, all right, the co-main Katie Taylor versus Cindy Serrano for Taylor's WBO IBF women's lightweight title. That's a big, that's a big female fight, right? That's big for. Uh, all in, Brian. That you say no more. I'm all in, baby. That's in for the culture of women's boxing. We're going in a good direction here. We're zone stepping up. Hey, Katie Taylor's supposed to, Katie Taylor is supposed to be a thing. You're not in for that thing? No, well, I don't know what you're talking about right there, but no, honestly, it's kind of cool. Like now we're seeing women's fights on cards frequently. It's starting to build up a little momentum. I feel. Oh, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. That's PC Bartholomew. Has the wave? No, no. Has the wave totally swept me up? No, not yet. I haven't watched any of these fights yet, but 
I'm getting to the point where I might check one out in a year or two. You might check out, you mean. That's PC Bartholomew going, oh, wait, crap, i got to sell a few more books. Uh, hey, everybody, uh, but in real life, you know what you're saying on the inside? That woman judge who had it even, please, please, that's why I'm on fire, because I started thinking about us. All right, all right. Uh, Kid Galahad on, versus – What's wrong with you? Why are you talking about me like this, man? I can't believe you. Oh, Tevin Farmer, James Tennyson for Farmer's IBF Junior Lightweight title on that card. This card's kind of deep. Do you care about that? No? Yeah, look, there's a lot. Of, you've got Scott Quigg all the well, way don't, down don't, there. Well, the don't show the bag before we, before we, before we puff oh, it a little there. Uh, Kid Galahad versus Tokakon Cleary. Tokakon's from Rhode Island. Not the bad. Heck is that? Freddie what Roach the guy. Heck is that? Freddie Roach guy. Come on. He can bang a little bit. Who the hell's Kid Galahad? All right. Uh, Scott Quigg, Mario Brionis, eight rounds junior lightweights. I know who Scott Quigg is. He's sometimes a fun fighter. Ryan Kilcheski versus Tommy Coyle, 10 rounds junior welterweights. That's not a bad fight. I, is is are those guys like the Shawnee Monahans of uh, New England? Who I don't really know them. All right, all right. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Einstein you if you do, if you want to play that game. Uh, there's a second DAZN card on Saturday from Orlando, Florida. Main event: Emmanuel Rodriguez versus Jason Maloney. Not only will it be for Rodriguez's IBF bantamweight title, but it's a quarterfinal bout in the WBSS World Boxing Super Series 118-pound bracket. Do you care, Orlando, Florida, on Saturday? I Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the bantamweights. we got to care. Plus, you know, Rodriguez is one of these guys who has looked good, we think might be a, a guy who could give somebody like Inoue a, a good fight if they meet in the at some point in this tournament. So we want to see how good he looks. Does he look like he really could give the monster a test? All right, all right. I'll be down with that. Komain, I care. I think you really care because you are the king of cruiserweights, and it's Unio Dortikos, the Doritos man, Cool Ranch, coming back after that WBSS loss, and he's back in a new cruiserweight classic against Matus Masternak. Matthias Masternak? Matus? I, I believe it's Mateus. Mateus, 12 rounds, WBSS, round one. So this is a bastardized version of the great tourney we saw last year. There's some new, some old. Could Cool Ranch be the favorite? It's either – well, the favorite is probably Briedis because he's back. Maitis Briedis. Uh, but if not him, it's going to be Cool Ranch. And Cool Ranch, we see, gives uh, is a big problem for anyone who is not unbelievably strong and tough like Murat Gassiev was in that fight. Uh, so, I, you know, I'd say they're 1A, 1B, and – I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious to see what he comes back like because, you know, we, we watched Dortikos come into that fight with, with Gassiev and with all this confidence, basically acting like I fight my fight. I won't need to change anything. I don't need to adjust. I throw my right hand and people fall down and it didn't happen. So, and you saw the, the outpouring of emotion from both guys after the fight, Dortikos breaking down in tears. Gassiev coming into the, the locker room to give him the old belt back. The, 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 the field spots were activated, but is Dortico's going to come back and be the same fighter mentally after taking that kind of loss? I, it, I could see it going either ways and I, I'm genuinely curious to find out. And also, hmm. Tastes like Doritos. Yeah, great. That one got removed from the soundboard. There was enough room, but that's a great one. That, that's, that's fantastic. That's the one chip challenge. Uh, this WBSS, is this still a Richard Schaefer production? I feel like it's all Cali Sutherland these days. Is, is Richie Swiss still involved in this? I think that it's, uh, it's all Sourland now. I mean, he got, the, I think Schaefer was there to, to get TV and he didn't get much TV the first time <laughs> around. And so, 
they they hooked up with the zone. I mean, what else do they don't need? You know, go go play with Ringstar then. Yeah, Ringstar is that still a thing? I mean, I don't know. Let me tell you, don't you tinkle with the finkle. With tinkle with a winkle. <laughs> no, tinkle I didn't say that. I definitely ain't tinkling with, with his winkle. I'll tinkle with his winkle. But hey, there ain't no party like a Cali party. I will be watching Saturday in the zone. But will you be watching Saturday from Marseille, France? Marseille, Marseille. It's Arsene Goulamarian. Versus TBA, 12 rounds for Ghoul Lamarian's WBA interim cruiserweight title. Not on TV, but you're going to fly away, Rafe. And, and you love it when they're cruising together. So are you going to be watching? Who do you got? You got Arson or you got TBA? I got, I, I think I have to favor Arson, uh, in this match because I don't know who T, we don't know who TBA, TBA is, which is something special for an interim title belt. I, I've never heard of this guy and I'm, so, I, I, I pride myself in obscure cruiserweight knowledge. So I will be checking for it just to see who the heck shows up on the screen and if they have a shot to one day beat my man Tommy Gunn Ustaisen. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Hey, Rev. It's time to talk a box with ya. Woohoo! Talk a little cruiser's bra. They're not quite heavy. You know that they can box up, eat, they can brawl, yeah. And when Richard Jeffer put the cash down, all the cruisers come running. Except he's not part of it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Music no was made for box. Value was made for box. I love it when we're cruising together. There's no party like a Cali Sullivan party. Yeah, yeah. It was made for box. I love it when we're brightest. Yes, uh, Rafe. To close on, do you care? I normally wouldn't have brought this up, but I'm so deep in British boxing right now. I got so much Brit UK stuff on the dome right now from Brentwood, England, unbeaten lightweight prospect, number one in the British rankings, Anthony Yard. Versus Walter Gabriel Sakara, 10 rounds. I only bring this up because I just watched. So right now in British UK at light heavyweight boxing, there's a long-term build of Anthony Yard against Joshua Buazzi, two unbeaten light heavyweights, ones with matchroom, Anthony Yards with Frank Warren. It's sort of a May- Mayweather Pacquiao, Spence Crawford thing. Do you care yet about Anthony Yard? Because I do because I'm learnt on UK boxing now. Uh, I will allow you to continue learning me in the months to come. I do not yet really care. All right, co-main event, Gary Corcoran versus Johnny Garton. 12 rounds for the break, vacant British welterweight title. You may remember Corcoran from having his soul taken by that gangster Jeff Horn. No, no, I don't remember that, uh, but I believe that it happened. Uh, I don't care about this either. Hey, uh Mundine versus Horn is coming apparently at some weight class. I hope that DeZone gets in on that. You down with that? 
somebody got to give it to us. You got to bring us what we want. I wonder if uh, if Top Rank has any options on that still, which I'm sure doesn't make the boys at Duco Promotions happy. But Uncle Bob may have a little thing to say about getting it on ESPN+. Plus. He should just harden up, like seriously, bang it full of quarters and get on with it. Oh, Dean Lonegren, yes. Uh, I, I hope we hear from Jeff Horn again, like really hear from him again. Because I'm not done with uh, Glenn, what's his name? Uh, Rushton, man. Glenn the, Rushton. The I'm not done with those guys. King. I'm definitely not done with those guys. Uh, I don't think I have any other buttons to press, Rafe. Um, I want people to buy your book. I, I always look at the title to make sure I get it right. Basketball, a love story. The oral history on the history of the damn sport. It's a Jackie McMullen, Dan Clores, Rafe Boogs production. Can, are, do people, I don't mean this insulting. Do people still buy your other books? Do you suddenly, do you get little notices? Oh, hey, the, hey, this, we moved another Pacific Rims. I keep an eye on the Amazon stats for the other books, and they have gotten a, a mild bump from this, but nothing huge. So I honestly, I, I may have been hoping for a little bit more of a of a basketball bump, but shoot, you know, I, I'll take what I can get. You know, I think uh, um, David Benavides is hoping for a bump as well. Yeah, so I mean, we we both better go talk to our guy Cal Cal Sour, Sourland, the oh, king. Ain't no party like a Cali party. All right, so buy Rafe's books. Maybe on Amazon when it says if you like this, you you would also like this, and you you buy the whole package. Because what yeah, they you can yeah. Because what they have there is a package, Rafe. Right. Right. I, there is. Who yeah. Else? Is it sort of like Prince Nassim's package. Yeah. Yeah. If only I was quicker on the trigger. I'm not. Um. All right. Follow him on Rafe Books. Is Respect Box still a thing? Right. Yeah, I'm actually coming back this week. I'm, I promise I'll be back this week. It's been a hectic couple of weeks between work and book promotion, but my life is getting back to normal. I've got my feet back solidly on the ground, and it's time to start respecting box again. Well, speaking of respecting box, Rafe, you've written three major books now, one on Filipino basketball, one on fathers, sons, and the McSorley's Institution in New York, one on the history of basketball. When are you published author gonna dip your tip in buckseo bookmaking i'm not talking about gambling i'm not talking about thomas hauser uh, although you can wear the cape and not wash your hands after taking it too i'm talking about when are you gonna write a boxing book and what will be the damn topic Oh man, I I don't know. I would love to. I love I I love writing about boxing as much as almost anything. It's so much fun to cover and think about and write about. And the characters are great. We all know this. It is still very hard to get paid to write a damn single word about this sport, which is a shame. Um, but we'll see. Maybe you, you and know. BJB should co-author co-author uh, the history of JB BJB. Oh, but yeah. Well, shoot. He's already got two boxing books up on me. So I got I do have to catch up with my man, Bryn Jonathan Butler, who I think this week, maybe tomorrow, Tuesday, his next book, the chess book, the, the, oh, the yeah. grandmaster drops tomorrow. And so so please check that out. Support our boxing friend, my boxing friend, Bryn Jonathan Butler, really one of the great like stylistic oh, yeah. sentence to sentence writers in boxing. Uh, and uh, so great in, in those terms that I forgive him for all of his reckless Talk about Manny Pacquiao wanting to die a martyr in the ring and, and Roy Jones Jr. wanting to die a martyr in the ring and oh, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson getting into weird stuff in the Catskills with pants down and customado, all kinds of stuff like that. I forgive it because he's that good a writer. And, uh, he's good on podcasts too. Check him out with the beard, our, our good friend Patrick Connor on the, uh, Top Men. Is that what they're calling it these days? 
Yep. Top men boxing radio. Good guys. Good guys right there. Uh, yeah, that's it. Don't buy all of our stuff. Listen to our show. We're back. We're back with a bang. I mean, you know, to tell me who he's fought. Name the top guy he fought. That's better than Chris Azier. That's, that's really the question a lot of people are asking. But Rafe, any words for the people as we finally say goodbye? Left, right, good night. We out.